Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast, your home on the Star Wars Underworld Podcast Network for in-depth discussion on the lore, the High Republic, and the whole canon of the galaxy far, far away. My name is Matthew, and I am coming to you from the Underworld North Studio here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. As always, I've got my buddy Joel Davis joining me from Underworld Orange County. Joel, how are you doing this week? It's good, but it's cold, but it's probably not as cold as it is up there. No, but it's not this as cold is what, as what Californians can't handle weather. So, <laughs> although I, I did hear that it was pretty cold down there, I did hear it was pretty cold down there. Uh, this week, I'm not used to it, it's not right. This week, you know, Star Wars it's always had a, a critical eye towards large institutions, what with the rebellion and all. Uh, as we've expanded the universe and enriched the canon, different characters have come up with perspectives, aims, motivations that nuance this critique. Uh, we're talking about Mon Mothma, Mina Monteri, Emmalyn Holdo, more recently Gira Staros and a few others. They all push to move their ragtag and chaotic rebel movements to more organized and respectable state authorities in their own right. So on this episode, we are well, going to explore... Staros, respectable. Respectable, respectable, sure. We'll get into that. Uh, we'll explore all those perspectives, motivations, complications. And to help us out on the video, you can see uh, just down the 401. Uh, fellow, fellow GTA <laughs> Greater Toronto Area member, uh, High Republic panelist, Phoenix from Canada, and hopefully future <laughs> Taylor panelist, uh, Ash Wallace. How's it going, Ash? Good, good. How are you guys today? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, yeah, welcome. Thanks for joining us. You're, you're definitely, you know, yes, if people are wondering, uh, social media handles are a, a Taylor Swift song and Mon Mothma's name. It, yes. it's, it's real it's what's happening uh <laughs> that is that is accurate all right speaking of which we'll do some plugs here uh you can follow us on twitter instagram and threads at ion cannon pod e-y-e-o-n-c-a-n-o-n-p-o-d as uh, twitter instagram and threads here on the server's underworld youtube channel we got youtube memberships we got super chats uh put put a comment in the in the box down there and we'll get to it just like this thank you very much something we're going to talk about a little bit today um yeah and so you know please feel free to engage with us and especially if you give us a super chat we're guaranteed to get to it uh we're most appreciative of your support for the channel we got discord star wars underworld discord server uh link should be just in the notes below chat with us at us especially at joel he'll definitely respond uh yeah and join the conversations there especially about star wars but about marvel and star trek and all the other oh, fun things like happening to, yeah I you got a bunch of lord say, of the rings stuff uh, uh yes. so what's going on in the discord sorry go ahead <laughs> no, no no sorry no yeah, yeah yeah uh this week we will be once again continuing our star wars marathon watch party and we will be continuing to watch the episodes of young jedi adventures so be looking forward to be look forward to that in the future yeah. We're watching, actually, if you don't want to know, we're watching all of on-screen Star Wars chronologically from an in-universe perspective, and we're starting with Young Jedi Adventures. It'll it'll take until, uh, till, you know, uh, I don't know. The James Mangled film eventually. Until I get a doctorate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or longer. (laughs) If I ever get a doctorate. Um, It's amazing. Yeah. Hashtag nation. Yeah, so the link in, in the in the then the notes uh, that'll join the Discord, and it's in like the like, like a video chat kind of thing. And if you need any any help with that, uh, Joel's 
happy to help you out there. Um, last plug to do for now, and then we'll get we'll do the plugs again, pick up the plugs again at the end. Uh, Tractor Beam, Tractor Beam Comics Reviews. Chris Abbott and I, every Wednesday, Wednesdays are for comics, comics are for Wednesdays. Uh, this Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, we are diving into the finale of uh, Bounty Hunters number 42. I think there's some another comic out coming, I forget, but Afra. Yeah, Oh, I yeah, think Afra, Afra yeah. ends this week as well. Shoot, no, that can't be true. I forget. I think it's I true. I'll, I'm I'll, pretty sure I'll it's true. Maybe take your word for it. That would be wild if they did both at the same time. Uh, yeah, so Chris Thanks. and I dive into that. And yeah, this past week, uh, we just did Ongoing number 41, the the very interesting Luke uh, Luke comic uh, with going back into this 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 kyber crystal dream vision he had is really interesting. And then we yeah. talked about we joined the podcast area. I'll explain what the podcast area is in a minute. <laughs> remember, yeah, it's comics uh, are for Wednesdays, not Tuesdays. They don't like Tuesdays or they don't Fridays. Like Tuesdays. They chill with Thursdays sometimes. They sell them on Tuesdays. Tuesdays they get in trouble. Uh, exactly. <laughs> the comics are for Wednesdays. So, so yeah, check us out right here on the the Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel and all the other socials, all the other places that we spread this podcast abroad and around. Um, yeah, I guess abroad. That one's also cross border. He's in New Jersey. <laughs> so, there we go. <laughs> um, fun times for that. So check us out there. All right. So that's the plugs. Uh, our week in Star Wars. What do we read this week? What are we thinking about this week? Ash, your guest, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, first. Have you enjoyed this week in Star Wars? Yeah. Um, I know it's not reading related, but I mean, I got pretty hyped when we got the announcement for more Young Jedi Adventures. Um, but other than that, with what I've been reading, uh, I finished rereads of both Shadow of the Sith and Cataclysm. And now I am starting Victory's Price from the Alphabet Squadron trilogy for the first time. I started that today, actually. I'm about two chapters in, and then I was very tired from all the stuff I'd been doing just the rest of the day. So I took a nap so I could be awake for this. Well, I love the after alphabet. I've the aftermath. Well, I do love that one too. I love the Alphabet yeah. Squad trilogy, so yeah. that's a good read. Highly yeah. recommended. I'm excited. <laughs> I've been yeah. I've been having uh, people vote in polls, and I just number <laughs> like four books from my TBR, and I just put one, two, three, four, so nobody knows what they're voting for, and then I make fun of everyone for like you know. I'll be like, I was like, mm. I was like. Because I read uh, Midnight of the Houdini uh, by Delilah S. Dawson because everyone voted for that one pretty much. And I was like, I think it's interesting that the Star Wars fans who have been yelling at me to read the Alphabet Squadron trilogy and finish it didn't vote for Victory's Prize. <laughs> sure enough, yeah. that one won next time. Because okay. I was like, there was, some, there was something in the back of their minds being like, mm -hmm. it's going to be this one. This yeah. is Alphabet Squadron. They just knew. They just knew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it's a, a gap in my my reading. I admit uh, the whole, that whole trilogy. Uh, you should I, read. Ha it's really I have the first one. I have the first one. I got to read it. I only. I was actually. Here's an interesting thing. Kind of my bit of my origin story in getting back into novels. And then when they, I was always going to. I was always reading the comics when they marketed uh, the Alphabet Squadron as sort of a crossover with um the, the the pilot academy comic i forget what it's called uh yeah, TIE fighter yeah tie fighter that one <laughs> um no which I'll, of course turned more to be more into uh had more to do with han solo and Bowler valance but uh yeah so okay I'll, 
get back into novels. I got back into novels. I read the Aftermath trilogy. I read a whole bunch of stuff. But, and I mean, started a, a Star Wars novels, comics, books podcast. But well, yeah, I need to read <laughs> <laughs> Squadron. Um, there you go. I guess on the on the poll, Ash, it was, it was it one of them. It has hair in it. So. Has hair in it. There you go. Yeah. On the poll, it was uh, one of them, Heir to the Jedi. And uh, has that one ever won? <laughs> I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, I only started. I've only done two polls so far. Okay, that's not a bad and idea. Anything that doesn't get read advances to the next poll. <laughs> I might steal that idea if I'm looking for suggestions. Yeah, I might, I might just... it's it's fun. It's more chaotic when people don't know what they're voting for. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, which uh, great way to handle your TBR. Not a great way to handle government. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Since we're you talking know. about governments today, <laughs> you know, you know. But for one, two, or three, at least Ash, we got yeah. we got at least three options. Yeah. Down south, they only have two, sort of. It's, it's yeah. complicated. <laughs> uh, what <laughs> the that Delilah Dawson book? Uh, was it Delilah, mm-hmm. Delilah Dawson, the one you read? Because I'm always curious about books beyond Star Wars that are like Star Wars. <laughs> that came out. That came out wrong. Like other well, books, Lord of the than, Rings. You could try that. That's a good one. Other books other than Star Wars. <laughs> You know the there things are, they do. Like, um, like Star Wars authors writing yeah. beyond, like yeah, yeah. I mean, I Charles Soule's um, book. But yeah, sorry. How how was that? It was amazing. Um, I had to uh, force myself to stop reading it at about four o'clock in the morning. I was two hundred pages in because I was like, I need to sleep and wake up for work the next day. There's that. So- <laughs> <laughs> I woke up, finished it. I actually, I thought I was going to cry, but I didn't. Oh. Yay. And I thought I was going to cry because that's how I always end <laughs> Delilah S. Dawson's books. Like, Rise of the Red Blade, I was in hysterics. <laughs> I mean, that it, that opening paragraph, wowza. So, it's not even the book. It's not even yeah. part of the story. It's just yeah. gank. I'm just like, like I, knew I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I had to put it down for a couple minutes after that. I was like, yes. I just need time to sit with that. And then I started crying. Like, I was just crying my way through Rise of the Red Blade. I'd be like, oh my gosh, look, she mentioned Shandrilla. Cool. Sticky <laughs> note. Continue crying. Wait, do you like Mama? Do you like Shandrilla? I, I don't know. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I mean, after Andor, Shandrilla sounded a little sus these days. You know, what's going on down there with them traditions? Yeah. Who knows? What's going on? Tradition. <laughs> Tradition. Fun times. We uh, talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely get more into Mamathma in, in a little bit, uh, as I mentioned off the top. Uh, Joel, what, what, is, what have you been thinking about this week in Star Wars? Yes, and actually, I can tie this into reading for a little bit, so huzzah. So I'm going to tie this into reading and then get back to my, my nice thoughts. So in terms of my break for Star Wars, since we're not doing any High Republic stuff, I've gone back into just listening to bits and pieces of the Plagueis novel, one of my favorite Star Wars books. It's not canon, but it's good stuff. Um, anywho, and, uh, you know, uh, recently we've been talking a lot about a lot of Darksiders running around, but, like, what the heck makes these people different from Sith Lords? Um, so I asked my friends at Facebook what they thought. And my buddy, Red Leader Antilly, who's been a guest on this podcast before, he brought up a good point. He says, I think Sith needs to be someone who actively follows Sith religion and views themselves as continuing their legacy. That's why Kylo is not a Sith. And quite frankly, I agree. Yeah, I, I think he's right. I think to be a Sith Lord, you have to actively think of yourself as, yeah, you are part of this 
thousands of years old tradition of Darksiders who have been doing this thing for so long. Um, you know, I mean, we can talk about what Sith powers and guy got it, but I think, yeah, that's the difference. It's like, you know, I would bring Plague and like they consider themselves Sith because they are continuing this ancient line of Jedi that goes back to when the original Jedi fell the dark side and tried to fight the Jedi and then got kicked out because the Sith were the OG rebels at the time. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, and yeah, and you know, kind of to get to Kylo for a second, that's something interesting because, yeah, you know, like Kylo is Mr. Let the past die, you know, like even if he's searching for dark side power, he's like, I don't care about Dark Bane because it's stupid. His past is stupid. You know, it's like the Sith are stupid. You know, <laughs> while in a in a kind of a in his own twisted evil way, Palpatine still thinks of himself as honoring the Sith traditions and has like a twisted sense of respect for his brother and sister, non-binary Sith lords and peoples. Who he is continuing the le the legacy of? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I thought even of some lines from Revenge of the Sith, and he's like, you know, he's not gonna. He didn't say, "I shall rule the galaxy and we shall have peace." No, he said, "Once more, the Sith shall rule the galaxy, yeah. and we shall have peace." Like yeah, you know, he's he's, he's thinking broadly. He's thinking about the Sith. Yeah. The grand so yeah, that yeah. I think actively that's why someone like Aslan to get the High Republic isn't a Sith. He's just a dark side because like I don't think Aslan cares about the traditions or the ancient. Or knows Sith. about them much. Or, or even Aslan. knows about them. But you know, Palpatine, yeah, yeah he studied the yeah. ancient Sith. He is looking to his past forebearers. Mm -hmm. And that's why he is a Sith ultimately, because he thinks of himself yeah. as that. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to dive in there. I think there's also like an out, like in order to like properly because of the power and everything that comes with it, which is why we have a split between people like this actual Sith and then like the acolytes of the beyond, which are just like weird cultists. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Kaisa, I love you, but you are a weird cultist. And I could honestly just picture her like trying to explain like Sith lore and like lore dumping on Kylo Ren. And he's like, I don't give a shit. She's just like, read Darth Bane and she throws the book. <laughs> No, she she shows the holocron of Darth Bane. Like, yeah, listen to his holocron. Like, yeah. Darth Bane, stupid. Read, read stupid. the uh, the, yeah, the holocron by Edmonton Shrew Carpation. There we go. Read the holocron. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point, Joel. I mean, because I mean, well, it it makes them the shadow of the Jedi in that way. Because I mean, yeah. for for Ray, even for for Luke, and to some extent, Ahsoka regaining that. Continuing the story, continuing the 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 line, <laughs> the, this continuing to write this story, this new story. You know, Sidious, Darth Sidious, is claiming to finish the story, complete the story that Bane started. Um, and whereas, yeah, like you said, Kylo Ren, he doesn't care. He thought Sidious Invader failed, and that mm -hmm. you know, I mean, the whole thing. I mean, maybe even to say, uh, Bane trying to go into hiding. I'd be curious to what what Kylo Ren thinks of that. Also. Kylo Ren, I mean, the the Knights of Ren, and um, reflecting on, yes, his, his grandfather's legacy, but no, we're going to start a new thing, you know, Snoke, mm -hmm. saying we're going to start a new thing. Unbeknownst to him, it's Darth Sidious this whole time, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, somehow Palpatine also but yeah, Nothing will stop the return of the Sith. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ash, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. 
the uh there's also like i noticed with palpatine even though he follows like the sith religion and like you know rise the skywalker he's like i am all the sith right mm-hmm. and you know he's been doing all this crap on exegol for like decades now and just planning all of this but he also does play fast and loose with the rule of two yes. oh, but totally. the rule of two is not like an original like it's not something that all the Sith have like always followed because even Darth Bane was shoved into school with a bunch of other dark mm-hmm. side, like Sith and like future like lord like lords of the Sith and everything. And you know, so I think that's why like looking at like the training academy for that, that's how we end up with things like the Inquisitorius. It's just like, oh, you're not Sith, you are dark side users and you are you are ours to manipulate just like the force. and right yeah Uh, it's very tragic for the inquisitor i mean no right i mean funny enough my buddy red also talked in that past of like that's why ventress isn't a sis even though she's trained Mm -hmm. under duke it's like sorry the sis haven't posed this rule there's only two but you know we can we can give you the the diet dark side but (laughs) you know but yeah sis order right now we have this two rule so sorry Mm -hmm. if you join an older sis order when we didn't have the two rule maybe Mm -hmm. but sorry we have two rule so now yeah yeah I mean, and that's an interesting contrast with, say, the Church of the Force and Guardians of the Wills and them. You know, they, you know, I mean, everything with Sabine has problematized this. But, well, I mean, not necessarily. Like, Guardians of the Wills, Church of the Force, they don't need to be Jedi. They, mm-hmm. they All they care to do is support the Jedi and ally with them, come alongside mm-hmm. them. Even though maybe, you know, this is a time when midi-chlorine counts and sensitivity and natural sensitivity matters more. Maybe that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing that Last Jedi does so well is mm-hmm. say, here is the story we've been given. How do we adapt it? And and mm-hmm. you know, everything Sabine goes through, how do we adapt it mm-hmm. for this new context, new circumstance? Yeah. And yeah, it's going to be the question with Rey. So what, what she ends up doing, right? And, and I mean, the question that Ahsoka and Luke are struggling with their time. So. I mean, it's yeah. always the case, right? We're always, yeah. even in, uh, even, you know, I think even in phase one and three, you know, they're going to be struggling with how do we respond in this new situation, mm-hmm. even though, you know, we're at the height of our powers, the height of our our, our good, cozy feelings with the Republic. Uh, there's still this, this different new situation that we have to deal with, especially with the yeah. nameless, right? They're more vulnerable. Yeah. So it's a good question. Um, yeah, you guys have any fine. more thoughts on all that? Yeah, I think that, um, sorry. Wow. No, I talk a lot. I talk good. a lot. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah. I think that, you know, with Ahsoka and Luke and even the Jedi in the High Republic that are now struggling with like, what does mm-hmm. it mean to be a Jedi and how do we navigate in this changing landscape of, you know, like, oh, we are Jedi. We follow these specific beliefs. And it's, it's very human to challenge your faith and your yeah. beliefs and even, like, struggle with your religion when you are exposed to things that don't fit into it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that is a terrifying thing for, like, most people, I think, where yeah. you, know, you, <laughs> you think that, you think that, like, ah, yes, like, this is the way that the world and the universe is and then something's just like actually mm-hmm. have you considered these adorable dogs that Aww. can take away everything that you are and calcify <laughs> you 
have you considered those? And it's just like, well, why would we consider that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why would have we thought. have considered? Yes, yeah, so I'm talking about the nameless because yeah, yeah, we got it. <laughs> you know, so, social media has been like they're actually just cute little puppies. Have you considered? <laughs> I want the young Jedi Adventures version of the nameless now. <laughs> well, that's interesting. So, you know, because I mean, I think my one of the I think so, I think that's going to happen with Yoda. Well, Yoda, Aslan, Wreath, and Amadeo, mm -hmm. and I, I and that whole group of of, of Jedi who are and Aslan, who are actually going to try and, and study and understand and come to an understanding of these creatures. I mean, mm -hmm. I think they're going back to to that planet. I think I guess I guess it's Planet X uh, or mm -hmm. wherever it is. I think they're going to actually understand how to how to deal with a piece of peace peaceably, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's a more interesting story than they're just gonna have to hack them down with lightsabers. Yeah. I mean, maybe have to hack some of them down with lightsabers, but yeah. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> just have we gone into this? It, you know, it's a question of, um, what about the the Jedi conviction that is, uh, well, the, yeah, that is being challenged, right? I mean, the mm -hmm. this thing we we all think we know. And that's the question that I mean, I, your higher public panel you brought up, right? Is what brought up again? What are the Jedi fear? Yeah. The Jedi. What are the Jedi fear in terms of uh, the thing they know? The whole source of being, meaning the Force, is actually their biggest vulnerability with these creatures. Mm -hmm. But yeah. also the thing they know, and and so how much can they? Do they have to depend on something within themselves and have to have to trust others? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting story. Also, though, is to say those who have a natural curiosity and are able to say, no, wait a minute, maybe the answer isn't you know, hacking them down with lightsabers. Mm -hmm. Maybe the answer is actually to study and understand and have empathy and compassion and curiosity and actually find another way forward. Yeah. And now that's not just a Jedi value, but I think that is a Jedi value at, a, at their best. Mm -hmm. And so and it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question to see where phase three is yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, the whole um, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Mm -hmm. And right now, the Jedi are combating what essentially what they fear. Yeah. So they can't become more fearful because that will fundamentally change who they are. It will make them sure. angry. It will make them suffer in the long run. But combating fear is incredibly difficult because... The best way I can think of is, yeah, research and figuring out, okay, how do we go about this in a way that isn't full of anger, which mm -hmm. would be just cutting them all down. Because how do you come back from basically, because the nameless are a species. If yeah. you kill an entire species, that is like genocidal and right. not a good thing. That's going to fundamentally change who you are at your core. Because you can't really come back from mm -hmm. something like that and be like, oh, we are good. We are peaceful. Especially when you have a lot of Jedi who come from species that live for 900,000 years. True. Not 900,000, but 900 to a thousand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think we need like million year old Jedi. I think trees, that would be ent, you know, ent Jedi. I yeah. mean, Legends had a few ent Jedi around, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but uh sorry. yeah, no, sorry, and, and like I don't hope oh sorry, continue continue action, sorry. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um because like you've got like Terra Sanube, Plo mm -hmm. Koon is probably potentially yeah. alive, Yoda, Yaddle, like all of these people, and even non-Jedi, like 
Maz, Dex, Therm Scissor Punch. You know, you have all of these characters that live on yeah. to like the era of the Skywalker saga that we know, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just like they would also very much remember if the Jedi committed a genocide against an entire species of things that actually couldn't really control their nature. True. Because, you know, the nameless are just kind of existing. They've been taken out of their like home environment and basically just let loose in a place that there is no balance to Mm. what they have. Yeah. And it's, it's not their fault. It's, it's Markian's fault, right? It's, it's the mother's fault. Yeah. um, If anyone's fault. So Mm -hmm. yeah, lots of great points. Um, I would hope they don't do that because I know the Jedi are going to have the problems later, but they still got 200 years to go. Yeah. That's (laughs) still, I think it's still a bit of a before picture. Yeah. Uh, This is a good segue into, into my, my thought here. Uh, okay. A little bit because you talk about, I think about religious trauma a lot uh, mm-hmm. because you know processing my own, but also uh, some friends who are very clearly acting and responding to the world in it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up. I'm gonna just go for this. Please indulge me, everybody. <laughs> I was reading <laughs> Genesis three the other day. <laughs> reading the Bible. Um, Theology time with Matthew. Yeah. Yep. It's a classic. Statement. Side note. Uh, theology time with with daniel when he was talking about the bible and daniel was the older and anyway uh so that's kind of um and you know a lot of those stories are you know i I mean you know genesis 3 and a lot you know genesis 6 with noah's ark and Mm -hmm. um you know those stories could either mean you know god is a genocidal vindictive maniac or that we have the tendency to do that and we actually need to let go. And, and there's different interpretations. And one is one that, you know, paints God in a good light. One, the one that paints God in a bad light. And I, and I was thinking about this and, uh, Ash, do you, do you remember, uh, the heritage minutes, uh, the Canadian heritage minutes? Yes. You do. Okay, good. Uh, the one about Marshall McLuhan. Yeah. We yeah. Have played on this podcast Context. multiple times. And yeah, so that's the meeting is the message, but I'm thinking oh, in terms yeah. of, and that's something we've talked about a lot, but, Obviously. and it came up recently and it's going to come up probably in our eyes on screen news segment if we ever get to it. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm thinking the content is the audience now. And mm-hmm. when, you know, I mean, religious trauma, trauma generally, just whatever our life experiences, you know, art really means often what we need it to mean. Mm-hmm. And I think we tend to forget that, so including when we're, we're talking about Star Wars, right? We're talking about, you know, when we talk about um, the Jedi, and, and I've done this thing, Joel, you've called me out on this thing right on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I've been too critical of the Jedi of the late Republic, <laughs> saying they've all, buying into the whole, they've all given in to their, I don't need that anymore. Uh, they've all given into. Uh, you know their own self-interest and whatnot and they're just they've all fallen to the dark side and uh and joel you said no george lucas was saying something far more nuanced and and complex about that and they are painted as in in a more heroic light even though they're flawed um i mean that's kind of the the ultimate thing of and i've been doing that just to overcompensate to say oh no my own real world experience is gonna 
push me to say that's because art is what it needs to mean to be inspired by even the Jedi of the late Republic. Um, there are people who are all no, we need the Jedi to be evil and to be sexually repressed, uh, you know, terror monks because of, for, I think for, for real world reasons and in part, and that they repress the Sith, you know, that I've heard that theory because we need something. I mean, that's the thing is, the reason art becomes, especially in the case of religious trauma or others, Palpatine's the real rebel man. He's the probably real he's the real rebel. Or, you know, Darth Edge Lord, Gray Jedi. You know, I mean, I I don't buy yeah. it, <laughs> but um, we need. I mean, that, that might come up later in our main topic. You know, we need, or some people need, to have any kind of institution be the bad guys in order to push back on them. And have something to push back on. And I mean, again, part of that, you know, when it comes to the Galactic Empire, that is the story we have, right? Turns out the Galactic Empire, they are the bad guys. So we can cheer for the rebels. <laughs> or you cheer for the Empire because you don't trust the lily white rebels. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's that. So, and that's just a, an original <coughs> One side story, and uh, I'll try not to, to spoil Echo too much, but um echo was interesting for this and i know this isn't star wars this is marvel but star wars adjacent it, 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 it'll I'll, I'll bring it back to star wars i promise um first of all perfect show i absolutely adored it uh really loved it so much um really fascinating that you know as an indigenous story as um yeah sort of, of a minority group in north america that we don't know much about and we don't pay much attention to and i think this might happen a lot i mean even uh black panther and some others look at birth origins and and the the legacy of of uh, an ethnic identity and that persevering and being the source of empowerment whereas a lot of the star wars stories are are white people who who leave and have to get away from their family and get away from their birth origins to have found family uh to go find themselves i mean that's that's luke and that is ray of course the anakin story is is the the birth origin that gives birth to luke and, and ray mm -hmm. and kylo and whatnot um i wonder if for the whole found family narrative i think it's a lot of that is uh we don't you know we don't trust our, our kind of boomer parents or boomer grandparents and, mm -hmm. and i definitely understand that and i i i get that we're, we're skeptical of uh, the few generations that came before that, you know, could buy a house in the suburbs for, for pennies on the dollar. Now that now we have no chance of maybe buying a house, all those tensions, all those stresses, you know, why have they bequeathed to us? Whereas I wonder if something like echo, these what the, you know, the, the communities, you know, Marvel went to these communities went to the Choctaw Nation and said, here, tell tell your story. And they they wanted the story they wanted to say is to to Choctaw folks, to indigenous folks, look what your heritage has bequeathed to you, this empowerment to be yourself and to to pass on what you've learned to adapt to a new situation. And it was just it was an interesting reminder, an interesting contrast between uh the different stories. Maybe I'm painting with too wide a brush. I don't know. I mean also, Luke and Leia, their story is about Anakin and Padme and what they've left to them, empowering them 
but it, it was just interesting to be be stunned by how explicit echo is about uh her four mothers and the importance of those so i don't know if either any of you guys have seen echo uh or what I you guys think of that until the first episode a little bit yeah or, or just my, my thoughts in terms of of both meaning of story and uh yeah i mean kind of ash kind of gets at what you were saying about um yeah. Yeah, well, I got talked about the first thing. If you, yeah, but you're saying yeah. about how, okay. uh, when when beliefs are challenged, the beliefs that we're growing up with, yeah, either we're predisposed to embracing that challenge, or we hunker down even more, and double down even more. Um, those those are my thoughts. Um, Asher Joel, do you have any any? Actually, let you go first. You're the guest. Yeah, um, I think that you know because you know you bring up the you know you either cheer for the rebels because you don't trust the uh, like uh government institution of the empire or you cheer for the republic because you don't trust like the essentially the purity of the rebels and i think that's mm. something that comes up a lot in our politics nowadays yeah. is that we always expect progressive leaders to be completely pure and never you know taint themselves in any way like uh, and when they thought that it was a gotcha that Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez danced in university. Right. I, oh, I yeah. still don't get that. And I think that it was like, I think, I still think that that's hilarious. And I think that's why rebel characters like Han, Lando, Chewbacca, Alexander Callis, uh, later when we come into the new Republic era, era thing, like characters like Sinjir from the Aftermath trilogy, mm -hmm. I think that's why those characters are so important because they challenge the whole idea that the rebels mm -hmm. are completely pure because they all have a past that so some of them have like an imperial past others have a more criminal past and i think that you know that's also why the characters in rogue one are so important as well specifically like cassian who we know has a criminal record Jin, who very much has a criminal record, and Bodhi, who has an imperial past, and K2, who also has an imperial past. Mm -hmm. And they saved the freaking galaxy. <laughs> right? So, so it's just, it's just like, yeah, you know, from the outside, they can seem very pure and all of these other things because of their main leadership. But then you have all of these other incredibly important rebels who have these not so great pasts and are able to kind of be like no like we have these pasts but it doesn't mean that we still can't do the right thing and learn from new information that we receive yeah you know uh, yeah I'll, I'll add my thoughts that you know i think yeah we uh you know everyone looks at art differently and i think sometimes we have to ask ourselves and we can get into this later i mean this is kind of my final question in the notes is uh, is the narrative itself supporting it, or are you just over overlooking it? And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. Uh, you know, everyone should appreciate art in their own way, you know, regardless of what even the author has to say. But, you know, I've said it many times on this podcast, you know, in the prequels, George Lucas himself is like, the Jedi are the good guys. The Sith are the bad guys. The, the it's not <laughs> the, It is not good when the evil, crackling, crazy guy with the hood is shouting unlimited power and throwing Mace Windu off a window. That's not <laughs> yeah. a good thing. Him declaring yeah. the Galactic Empire is not a good thing. The Jedi are still the good guys. You should want them to win because mm -hmm. the alternative is the devil. 
or the evil person. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, and like, it's again, like we talked about, United Mass, we talked a lot about the High Republic era. Mm -hmm. You know, I am of the belief that, yeah, the Republic is the good guys because I have, I think Lena So is a good person and is inherently a good person. And the Nile are clearly bad. Marcion mm -hmm. Rowe is a bad, bad person. He is a crazy person. I love the way the audiobook <laughs> has Marcion Rowe's voice. With the very calming, and then the yelling yeah. of the He's hatred unhinged. of the yeah. Jedi. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. I do think Star Wars has nuances, but also I think sometimes we just remember, yeah, sometimes the good guys are the good guys. The Jedi, good. The Sith, mm -hmm. bad. I do not think yeah. it, that there is going, at least I hope there's never like a graying of the Sith. The Sith are the bad guys. The Empire yeah. are the bad guys. A hot cake, maybe, maybe to some people here. <laughs> Ray Sloan is a bad person. What? He forms the First Order. The First Order is bad. I don't care if she's not a crazy person who's cackling and shooting lightning. She is still a bad person. <laughs> Thrawn is still a bad person. Well, he yeah. is the bad guy. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, yes, <laughs> enjoy art your way and read into it, obviously. But sometimes, I think sometimes it is good to step back maybe a little bit and go like, yeah, let's go going a little too far i mean yeah. i think yeah it's i mean even even people's human <coughs> journey to be able to say okay but outside of themselves and accept the story that's being given mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a good point um it's just it can be a struggle though i think for some people yeah. but of course i noticed uh, you didn't say like, enric pride is a bad person <laughs> He skinned a family of Ewoks, Ash. He's a bad person. <laughs> uh, Wait, what? No, I think Sorry. that, you know, yeah. uh, I think for a lot of people, when they see that a, a, like a, there's a good, compelling story for a bad sure. person, Absolutely. they're like, well, yeah. obviously, it's just misunderstood. And I think yeah. that's where we get the disconnect between, like, Rebels Thrawn and Thrawn Trilogy Thrawn. Because in Thrawn's oh. mind, in the Thrawn books, he is doing what he thinks is right based off of the information that he has about himself and why he's doing the things that he's doing right so he can justify it and be like oh i'm doing this for the good of my people to protect them and all of these other things but the rebels aren't like well we know all of this backstory about thrawn <laughs> and he's actually just a misunderstood handsome blue man yeah. and you know so there are there is nuance with like evil characters and you can like understand why the way they are the way that they are without excusing them mm -hmm. you know and yeah. there's a certain joy in in liking a villainous character because it's just everyone has like good everyone has good and <laughs> bad in them <laughs> and well i'll, I'll say Sorry, everyone I, except you know. palpatine but Palpatine just to yeah. fast. Yeah, I mean, he slaughtered his family when he was 17 years old. Like, yeah. <laughs> psychopath. How can someone like that come from a place that's as beautiful as Naboo? And I think <laughs> that that's a really sure. interesting, yeah. like, separation mm -hmm. of, you know, you can come from a beautiful place and be a bad person, or you can come from a, a very bad place and be, like, a really great person. Yeah. You know, so it's very much like nature versus nurture, I think. And, like, Speaking of like, actual nature, like right. his granddaughter, comes his from granddaughter Jakku. is an angel, and she deserves the entire galaxy. And, and I will give it to her. Too. Yes, she will get the entire galaxy. Let's hope. Yeah. Um. All right. I think we can move on. A little bit of 
uh, not quite news, not quite whatever. Ash, uh, you're, you're welcome to our, our Joel, my second year anniversary podcast anniversary. Uh, it happens to me two years ago. I guess it was yesterday or whenever it was. I don't know. Yeah, you know, we we joined the Culture Slate Podcast Network. Uh, now it's the Star Wars Underworld Podcast Network. Um, yeah, things changed along the way, but yeah, we've been uh, every like I said every Monday night for two years figuring this out, chatting Star Wars, chatting canon. Um, yeah, uh, and I think onward and upward, onward and upward. Yeah, we've definitely you know Chris and I have have tractor beam, and that's going been going for uh, two or three months, but uh, onward and upward there. Joel, it, it's uh, been a great two years. Mm-hmm. Here's to another two years or more. <laughs> yes. Yay. There we go. Cheers. All right. All right. Let's uh, actually get to Let's join the podcast area, guys. All right. We'll try um, to make this part quicker. <laughs> try to make this part a little quicker. Uh, for those who don't know what the podcast area is, it's me being me being cheeky. It's me being too clever for myself, for my own good. Um, everyone and their mom is talking about uh, the Mandalorian news and the Soka news. Um, so we're, we might as well talk. I, Chris and I talked again. Chris and I talked about it uh, on Wednesday. Okay. There's also the Bad Batch uh, trailer tease, I believe. So Jennifer yeah. Corbin's been teasing stuff on Twitter. And <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Give us yeah, that so, trailer, lady. Give um, us that trailer. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll just say, you know, so there's mm-hmm. the Mandalorian movie, Din and Grogu. Mandalorian and Grogu, directed by John Favreau. That's beginning production this year. Year weird kind of uncertainties between season four. <coughs> what is season four? What is this film? When is it going to be shot? When it, mm-hmm. we don't quite know. Um, maybe they'll be made alongside the movie. Maybe season four is going to come out before the film. I we don't know. Um, you know that. What's very clear is that. This is a fourth film. This is not the same as the Filoni film. Filoni yes. film is the the film we know, the Thrawn, Ahsoka, whatever. Uh, the Star Avengers, I call it. The Star Avengers, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, like you, Julie, you bring up the comics uh, mm-hmm. analogy a lot, right? The the big crossover event, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, that and then, of course, the Ray film and then the Mangold film, uh, if mm-hmm. that ever happens, which it probably will. Um so yeah, so this is a fourth film. I yeah, uh, I, I don't want to speculate too much on the announcement or anything. Just that the announcement was kind of weird. They announced it in a press release. Sure, whatever. Um, so Chris and I talked about that. Uh, I'm excited. I'm wearing the T-shirt. Ahsoka season two, Ahsoka Eternal, um, with the finger of Mortis. Very, very curious. Very excited to see uh, how. You know, I, on Twitter, I'm a mortisologist, quote unquote. And so I'm very excited to see that. And then, yeah, Joel, as you uh, mentioned, Jennifer Corbett teasing, finally getting a Bad Batch trailer, uh, season three. Yeah. Yeah, season <laughs> hard, hard to keep track sometimes. It's been a while. It's been a while since season three. Um, so there's that. So, Ash, I'll throw this to you. Um, Mando movie. Uh, Ahsoka season two, Bad Batch. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are your feels? Uh, <laughs> so I'm not saying that I'm not excited. Um, I kind of saw Ahsoka season two coming. I was hoping yeah. for it. Uh, kind of, kind of on the fence about how I feel about either recasting or whatever for Balin. I, I know that. I don't want them to like weekend at Bernie's him because. <laughs> There's just so much soul in that character, and I feel like 
replacing him with AI would just remove the soul. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Mandalorian movie. I I enjoy the Mandalorian. It's not my absolute favorite Star Wars thing, but I do thank it for, for kind of getting me back into Star Wars. And that was like binged season one and two, what, December 2020. And ever since then, it's it's been a descent into madness. <laughs> and then Bad Batch, I'm looking forward to seeing the trailer because I did I did enjoy season two a lot more than I thought I would. And I probably should rewatch it. Like when mm. I saw Pamlo from Rogue One in another Star War that wasn't a book, I freaked out. I was like, she's back. Mm. She's real. I didn't imagine her. I don't hallucinate Tinra Pamlo every single time I watch Rogue One. And <laughs> just seeing like more love for her has been amazing. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like I said, the the big news from last week that made me go absolutely insane was was the Young Jedi Adventures <laughs> coming back in the middle Andre. of February. So I'm like, Andre. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like it's it's Star Wars, so I'm going to look forward to basically yeah. everything and I'm still going to like watch everything. And even if it's not like my absolute favorite thing, I'll be like, you know what? It's someone's favorite Star Wars and they're happy. So I'm happy for that. Yeah, that's that's a great ad. That's the the correct attitude. I'd say positivity. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention. Yeah, what, I think I spoke more about Ahsoka, so I'll just say Mandalorian. I'm coming around. I admit I was completely dead set against it, probably because I hate change. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and 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 I, I hope this isn't an Iger. I hope it's a people who we know season three wasn't the most popular. John Favreau is definitely better a film. I'm again, I'm just confused about okay, is there still going to be season four and then the film? It's going to be the film and season four. Uh, that seems to be more likely, but again, we're, we're like, like we're saying uncertainties about when, but what season four is versus what this film is versus what season five would have been. It's all. Up in the like is the was the film going to be season four, and then what will be season four be season five, or the um, other way around, or what or would have been season five or the other way around? I don't know. Anyway, it's it's also numbers, whatever. It's just whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So anyway, Joel, I haven't heard your thoughts on this at all. So uh, on any of these things. So. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About it. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not. I I kind of I had to my hope for than for that finale being the movie kind of situation. Uh it's gonna get season four. Um but yeah, you know, I I have I'm I want it because I am of the opinion that if this kind of more from a my Thrawn fanboy attitude of if Thrawn is our big Thanos baddie and he's only in one film and he probably gonna die. I don't know, that just seems very underwhelming to me. Like you set up Thrawn, he's gonna be appear in the big crossover movie. And then he probably dies in the first movie. So mm -hmm. uh, any chance that could introduce Thrawn in a, a film before the Filoni film is always a, a plus. Any chance of that happening, which I think it might. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah I, I want to see the, the Mandalorian on the big screen because I love the Marshall. And the Marshall's like a movie. Oh, so yeah. just make that but longer. Um, <laughs> to quote Warner Herzog, I want to see the baby. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, as, as for Ahsoka season two, I was pretty confident that was going to happen. I was like, I can't see that ha- not happening. Yeah. Like, I just don't, I don't see why. It's not like Dave's going to leave Lucasfilm. He's still there. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? He'll, he'll, he'll tell it. He'll tell it. Um, he, he gets to, he's his producer is now the person who approves projects. Um, yeah, I know. I agree with the Balin thing. It's like, how are we going to handle Balin? Like, yeah. on the one hand, Ray Stevenson just, he is Balin. He gave everything to that character. But on the other hand, you know, I don't want it to be deep faked either. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, I don't know. If, is, is the magic going to be, can you recapture the magic twice mm-hmm. with with Balin, with a different actor? I mean, you know, old guy with a beard, but still, like, ugh. Um, it won't be the same. So, you know, I'll be curious to see what what they do with, with it. Um. I'm hyped for Bad Batch. I love yeah. Bad Batch. I love season one. I really love season two. I'm expecting the trailer to open with Tex death again and just have our little hearts <laughs> ripped out. My, my boy Tex. I love him so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. I saw the cel- I'll just say I saw the celebration trailer, the the crappy footage one, and it's like, oh, I hope they use that one, but maybe more stuff because oh, it's looking good. So I'm excited. Um, more Mount Tantis. Yes. I'm excited for that because I love me some Mount Tantis and cloning stuff and Dark Side maybe cloning stuff. Let's get them references to Exegol. Let's get Let's going. Go. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm excited. You know, I mean, I can see they a little disappointed the Ray film is is being pushed back, but it sounds like that one needs a little bit more time to work. So mm-hmm. hey, that's good. I feel like it doesn't really matter with the Mando stuff. I feel like. I feel like it's even. I don't think they're gonna rush it because, like, I think John and Dave probably know what they want to do. It's just a matter of okay, now we just mm-hmm. increase this two hours and more yeah. spectacle. So I was like, ah, I don't think they're mm-hmm. they're in that much trouble. Well, the Ray film seems like yeah. it got a little bit more cooking to go. So um, overall, I'm excited. I am excited for all things. And yes, Young Jedi Adventures season two, hooray! It will increase <laughs> our watch order for Disney. Oh yeah, so. yeah, just slot that in too. <laughs> so, so yeah. excited. I'm so yes. Yeah. I'm hyped for it all. I'm ready to go. Star yeah. Wars, it just keeps on getting more and more. They, they're cranking it up. I, I'm feeling the crank up. That's like, true. It's coming. China Wave's news. coming. Screen news is here. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> do you want to say, have anything more to add? Chancellor Lena So and Young Jedi. <laughs> right. Yes. I'm so excited. What moral lessons will she teach the kiddies today? Exactly. And also, like, since my little headcanon is that like Young Jedi Adventures is like a little hollow program that exists like in universe and I'm like this is Mon's favorite show and she was already <laughs> super excited when Bell Zedifar showed up because she's like Bell Zedifar is from Chandrilla and yeah. then like Chancellor So is like one of her heroes and I just think that's, that's like, a cool, one of my that's a cool and head she's head. just like oh my gosh <laughs> so like like so, so you're let me get this straight your yeah. your headcanon is a young Mon Mothma Hanging out on Chandrilla, she has yeah. these these ho- smuggled in hollow. I guess because she's probably in the in the Empire, or maybe not. Maybe she's a kid. No, because uh, young Mon Mothma was like before the Empire. Because she's yeah, like the okay, same age so, as Padme, right? right okay, so, so she's <laughs> she's growing up on Chandrilla as a kid, and she has these shows, these these hollow shows, these cartoons. Yeah, I like that idea too. Yeah, I just so, yeah. think that she deserves some joy as a child. <laughs> Before she meets Perrin, she needs it. (laughs) Oh man! (laughs) Then she meets Perrin. It's all downhill from there. Just the third, just the picture. Thirteen-year-old Mon Mothma wrinkling her nose, being like, "I'd rather marry Tabor." (laughs) 
Meanwhile, parents partying it up somewhere. (laughs) 13-year-old rave. Drowned in Xbox. Ah, Uh, One last thing I'll say about the Mando film. Uh, This guy, the third Torontonian on the screen, on the stream. Oh, yes. This was at the Off-World Bar. Anyway, uh, his his party at Off-World Bar. He's going to be on the big screen. Uh, Carson. I mean, he's going to be. No, I guess that's a, that's a also a show the uh, the the Airbender show, and he's been in like Hallmark rom com, whatever. Uh, but no, he's gonna be like Carson Teva is gonna be yeah. on the big screen. I'm excited for that too. Uh, I mean, that was probably gonna happen in the the Filoni film, but that's gonna happen earlier. So that'll yeah. be fun. I, Again, I, I always fear that he is the Phil Coulson of this event, Star Wars Vengeance. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I hope he doesn't have the same fate as Phil Coulson, is what you're getting at. Yeah. I hope not. We I need him to live. a birthday party at Offworld. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, we need uh, we, we need, we need oh, the same, Matthew. <laughs> we need Carson Teva to, to survive into the, uh, yes. into the sequel trilogy. But we need him, I do we need want be... him. And Carson Teva and Thrawn to have an encounter. Imagine that camp. Wait, you want Paul Sonny and Lee and Carson Teva? Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, I, I want I want Carson Teva to survive. I want him to be hanging out with Vimarati on Batu. Car- Carson fun. Teva was able to hold back Chopper, so I feel like he'll be fine against Thrawn. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, true. If you can handle Chopper, you can handle Thrawn. It's fine. <laughs> like. <laughs> Chopper is uh, Thrawn's number one fear, if you ask me. Clearly. You know, the Bendu, the Force, <laughs> Chopper. You know. Anyway. <laughs> on that note, on that note, uh, uh, we're forming government now, guys. Let's go. Let's ride and form a government from rebels to respectable. Joel, please call, take it away. I call president. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it yes. Is <laughs> Rebels to respectables. It's it's something we don't. You know, Star Wars is sort of built upon the original with the original trilogy, the Rebels versus Empire. Um, you know, that is the the OG dynamic of it all. Um, and when we do see governments, they normally tend to fall. Um, that's the prequels. So that's you know, you gotta see governments falling or a revolution. Um but you know, as Matthew said earlier, we we have seen lately governments forming, governments the post-revolutionary era. Uh, you know, what happens after you win? All that good stuff. Um, oh, and by the way, someone really likes your T-shirt. Just yes. want to let that know. Um, <laughs> and I think, like all good Star Wars things, you need a character to ground your idea in, because at the end of the day, that is Star Wars to a T. Every character sort of represents something right that i think i think we think of star wars a lot like broad ideas and I, I love broad ideas don't get me wrong but i think from a good narrative perspective you need kind of someone to represent that you need someone to kind of be the avatar of whatever of this idea of you know reforming a government um yeah especially i mean so the the line reforming government that that is my mothma in uh right. life debt right to leia so yeah i exactly. mentioned that a lot anyway sorry go ahead joe and you know, Mon Mothma has always kind of, at least in the EU, because uh, that's where she really is. That's where she really gets her time to shine. Uh, and I just always find it a, a small tangent, but I've always found hilarious about Mon Mothma as just kind of the evolution of a character who appears in one scene in Return of the Jedi. She does the big speech. The many Bossons died. 
give us this information. Admiral Akbar, please. Akbar got more lines than uh, more yeah. scenes. My fucking just disappears. Um, yeah. But then in the EU, thanks to um, uh oh, Ash, you're, you're getting a little choppy. Are you still with us? Oh. Yeah. Um. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um. You know, but but in the EU, especially with the uh, original Thrawn trilogy, the 1991 novels. That's when Mon Mothman really kind of comes to shine as the chief of state of this new republic. And she's sort of continued on and evolved and now has a real presence in new canon and continuing kind of that, that role as chancellor now, because that's the, the term we use. Um, but, but Mon Mothman has sort of had um, offshoots of her character uh, with uh, people like Nina Von Terry for The Separatist, like the person who thinks The Separatist is actually a good thing. Um, a little bit of Holdo. Um, you put Holdo in here. I'll, I'll, I'll take my thoughts on Holdo later because I think she's an interesting character, sort of in the middle. And um, we're gonna, and this is the character we're going to start with because I want to do kind of in somewhat of a timeline order situation. Um, uh, Gira Staros, uh, or as I like to call it, Dark Mothma, the Anti Mothma, Dark Mothma. <laughs> yeah, Anti Mothma, the Anti Mothma. Yeah, but uh, that's like you know, Gira Staros, you know. We're seeing kind of her come be the person to like, okay, the Nile's got this territory. We got territory. She's like, well, now we got to actually govern these people and, you know, be accountable and stuff. And the reason I call her dark, the anti-Mothma is, well, my Mothma always says stuff like that because I think she's sincere and genuine being part of the Senate. Uh, Gear Staros, I think, is just opportunist who sees herself as like, ooh, I could rule this little territory. I get a fancy castle. Um, <laughs> but this Martian Rogue guy who is constantly trying to kill the Jedi get in the way of that. Um, I love doing my Martian <laughs> impression. Um, you know, and um, yeah, and I think this is kind of the question of, of with the Nile of, you know, can you, can a, can a leopard really turn its spots? How respectable can you be? Like with, you know, without losing yourself, can you trans, if you're just transforming the Nile, I mean, you know, um, are you really becoming good or not? Are you, are you really sharpening off those rough edges or making something even more sinister? Um, this is the historical example I'm going to use and then I'll, I'll kick it off to you, Ash. Um, uh, what is um, the, the 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 bad Germany Germans in pre World War II? Those, those guys, you know, the the Nazis, because you know originally they tried to seize power through a coup and the streets, and then eventually Hitler was like, "Let's let's make ourselves respectable." So he puts on a suit and tie. So let's start campaigning, make Germany great again get certain amount of seats in the Reichstag, and then eventually it's like, uh, oh, President Hitler is like, okay, fine, you can be chancellor. Okay, dictatorship forever. So it's like, are you really changing you for the better or not? But, um, uh, Ash, I'll, I'll throw it to you, just Gira Staros, just overall thoughts on her, her motivations, her thoughts on what she wants the Nile to be, et cetera, et cetera. Any good historical parallels you want to throw to us? I think that Gira's very interesting in the way that i don't i didn't quite see it at the beginning of phase one when we were first introduced mm. to her um yes. but now like you know having like after the end of phase one i went went back and reread all of it 
And I started to see things about it. And I was like, oh, you know, she started with, I'm going to have this proximity to the woman in charge and I'm going to be on her side and I'm going to be part of her inner circle. I'm going to learn all of these things and make sure that I know the best way to essentially take this government down. And then I'm going to go to the other side and I'm going to help them because I can probably, I can get more power Mm. and I can do something completely radical that no one expects. I don't think she took into account how popular the Nihil were going to be for better or for worse. Um, Because, you know, I think even in, the outer rim and everything, they're not incredibly popular in phase one or phase three. Because essentially they show up, they destroy everything, they'll maybe steal a bunch of your people and then they'll leave. Right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, as with any government when it's expanding, and I know some people have likened, because, you know, they're in the expansion era, there's a lot of essentially colonization going on in the galaxy with the republic there's going to be people that are opposed to that even though we haven't really like discussed that very much and it's not written as the way that colonialism is in our world it feels very different like lena so is not like okay we're gonna go to these planets we're gonna kill the indigenous population and we're gonna take over get the chicken pox ready (laughs) (laughs) it's it's very much um more along the lines of like living in harmony that's the whole thing about like we are all the republic like everyone here belongs in the republic you know this is a place where you will be taken care of and now they're making lena look like a liar essentially because they've made it impossible for her to do her job and you know in some ways you know in the beginning, it's very much a, like a Hercules Mulligan type thing. Like if you know Hamilton, you know who I'm talking about, <laughs> where, you know, spying on the government that you are claiming to work for, and then mm-hmm. taking all of those secrets to the other side to work mm-hmm. for them, except instead of sewing pants, she's literally a senator. Um, <laughs> but also, again, she represents a, a core world. She represents Hosnian Prime. And that is a very populous world and so aligning herself with the nihil draws her people into that as well essentially it places a target on their backs and we see a lot of that in today's day and age right we have politicians who will completely go against what their constituents want and it paints a target on the back of the constituents and it's like oh well why why do you let them continue to represent you and it's just like well because we there's really nothing we can do, you know? And especially when things go, especially when Ted Cruz goes south to Cancun, um, <laughs> you see a lot of people just blame random Texans and be like, oh, well, it's your fault that this is happening right. to you. And it's like, there's a lot more that goes into that. Like we, one of the things that we don't know a lot about in Star Wars politics is how the senators get their positions. In some cases it's like oh this seems like an appointment and others it's like okay are you elected like how does it work exactly and yeah. so if we're if we're taking an appointment and being like oh we're gonna blame the people who didn't appoint her for what's happening that's <coughs> sad and it's going to make 
essentially the people on Hosnian Prime, because they're going to get more flack from people who are pro-Republic. Mm-hmm. It's going to turn them against the Republic, essentially. That's basically the only thing that can come from this. Bitter, right. 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 Mm-hmm. That's actually something I wish we could get into more is... And some of the, like, Legends material kind of gets into it a little bit, but not as much, um, mm-hmm. is how the, the, the galactic governments are very much influenced mm-hmm. by what are the planetary governments, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of to make very bad one-to-one comparisons to the re- real world for a second, you know, Coruscant, Trangilla, Alderaan, they're like the Western liberal-style democracies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just to, you know, just, just, just pretend for a second. Um... But the Galactic Republic, especially later, starts adding another planet. It's like, here is this planet. It is ruled by Supreme Dictator Overlord General Supreme <laughs> Military Emperor for Life, this guy. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, it'd be like if the world, everyone had a senator in the world. It's like, Saudi Arabia is still Saudi Arabia. Yemen still, uh, Russia is still Russia. China is still China. Um, but they still mm-hmm. get a senator anyway, so they get to influence, like the UN, with actual power. Um, <laughs> he does right. stuff. Um but, you know, and that's kind of the, the Republic. It's sort of like, yeah, it's like it's got maybe some plants that are the equivalent of Western-style liberal democracies like Alderaan mm-hmm. and Trangilla. They seem chill. Mm-hmm. And Naboo's kind of chill, too, even though they got elected queen. But then you got other places where it's like, oh, they got, like, hereditary monarchs or just full-on mm-hmm. dictators in charge. Yeah. And it's like, where are these senators coming from? Yeah. And, and, things like the, and it seems like the old Republic, which is the high Republic of, which is what Republic that we have now, is... Uh-huh. With a lot more willing to let just people in, where it yeah. seems like the New Republic with a little bit more, your you planetary government's got to change first before we let you in, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, otherwise, oh. No, I just want to say, I mean, so that's a, it's not the Federation. Just put that out there. Um, <laughs> but it makes it interesting then that Gira is part of, is from Hosnian Prime, which we would think is one of the kind of enlightened democratic planets, like you mentioned. And yet, you know, she goes off and I think she's she's tired of being under Lena So's thumb, tired of being in the Republic system and being under it as opposed to leading it and taking over. Mm-hmm. And so instead of trying to make a campaign to be elected chancellor, she says, No, I'm gonna throw my hat in with with the these other guys, this with this guy here, uh, with Markian. And I mean, didn't she didn't expect um, the Nile to be that unpopular. She didn't expect the Nile to be popular with a certain type of, of, of person. <laughs> Let's just say uh, someone who goes against the type of things cool. she, yeah, she really is trying to do. She's still, I mean, she's trying to have it both ways. She's trying to have her cake and eat it too. She's trying to have a, you know, like we see in, in Shadows, of Star, uh, Shadows of Starlight number four, trying to have a Nile state have a, a government um, partly because she that's what she knows and she knows how to manipulate that and take and control that. But I think at the point at the end of, of uh, eye of darkness, she's afraid she's, you know, she has this, you know, this, she thought she was going to have this, this kind of this boy that she had to take care of. Uh, he's still a boy, but he's an unhinged angry boy who just flashes <laughs> out in rage sometimes. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's buyer's remorse is what I'm getting at. She tends to, you know, she she's all I, I I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want to have um, 
what am I saying here? Yeah, I, I want to be in charge, but I'm afraid of Markian. So we need these democratic institutions of accountability on executive power in order to curb his baser instincts. And yet he's never going to go for that. So uh, there you go. I think Ash is back. We're good. We're back. Oh, no. Hello. We're good. Hi. Can you- yeah. Can, can, can you hear me, Ash? There you go. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So that's what, what my take on Gira. Uh, I don't know, Joel. What are you? You know, one second. Yeah. Joel, well, keep, keep fapping. Keep talking. Technical issues, folks. But, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, and kind of, you know, uh, you know, sh- Kind of like where I would be, like, you know, uh, this is kind of a weird analogy. Gear Stars is like me if I were at a rock concert, but I have no idea what I was doing there. Um, True. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, and, and, you know, it, it is interesting. I am, I'm always kind of curious, and maybe I didn't read enough of Sage One to get it, but like, I'm kind of, is she just like very naive or just like not as. I wonder if she's this is like a Cersei Lannister situation where like you're not as smart as you think you are. Where it's like he's going to these people to think she can get more power, but it's like, oh shoot. Um technical issues, folks. You that's hate okay. to that's see okay. it. Um <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, we're, we're, that's okay. All good, it happens. It's it also happens. very windy here. So much okay. wind here. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. That's but, but um <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I, I like that point as well. I also like, you know, of course, the point about the local planetary governments as well. I wish we saw more of that. And I also like, Ash, your point about, yeah, the colonialism aspect of mm-hmm. it, which is something I know people have brought up a lot about, like, we don't really, you know, it's kind of like, they're not really talking about the fact that what the public's kind of doing is colonialism, and uh, real world colonialism, mm-hmm. not good. It, it, we're still dealing with it today. Yeah. Um yeah. So it's like, well, is the higher is there is it just the nature of Star Wars where the Republic is just that good that its version of colonialism isn't the the, the British and the European kind that has kind of plagued the world forever? Um, or is it just you know, the good kind, the good aspects of, of you know, good by or not good aspects? What I mean, what do I mean is in that you know, Canada is all right, all right. Yeah, we're doing okay, and part of the reasons we're doing okay is an okay place to live for most of us, for a lot of us, is in part because of what you know the British left to us. But that's the long, hard road of democracy. That's the long, hard road of the neoliberal capital capitalist system that does privilege only so many people. Um, and so, I mean, it, you know, that's the thing about liberal capitalism that does emerge from. Western European Enlightenment, it 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 fails to achieve its its ideals, right? I mean, the the Declaration of Independence, all men are created equal, define define men, you know. So, yeah, yeah this, anyway, we're uh, both in. Ash, do you want to add on to this? Yeah, are you, still, are you with us? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you know, again, there's there's places that are suffering more still from colonialism, and like yeah. you know. Coming from Canada and the U.S., we're not we're not necessarily quite as you know we're a little bit more well off than a lot of places that are still suffering um, because those places are continuing to be used by their essential colonial overlords, True. right? Which is why we're seeing things like in like especially in Africa, 
where they're being stripped, like strip mined of their resources. And that's more of like what the empire did later on was literally like go in and strip mine places and completely destroy them. Whereas, you know, like we are quite privileged in oh, yes. the fact that we, not that we benefited or that like the people, like the indigenous populations here didn't suffer um, because they very much did. <laughs> I'm a it's 97 cool. baby and the last residential school in Canada closed the year before I was born. Um, but about. Yeah. it's <laughs> also easier, I think, to have the discussions here in Canada and the U.S. and like white countries that were colonized sure. because a lot more of the world is more conscious of what happened to places like the U.S., Canada um, and like Australia, New Zealand, whereas when you start bringing up colonization in Africa you get sh you're more likely to get shut down because they're you know not developed countries and it's like well why aren't they developed countries these you know places that had that have that are resource rich yes mm -hmm. why aren't they faring well they could I be had these things not happened yeah I wonder, I'll just I'll just say, I wonder if what Gira Star Wars is doing, kind of go back to the character and kind of get into her motivations, mm -hmm. is I think, I wonder if she saw the Nile as like what the Separatists would be, or at least what she, the Separatists claimed to be, of, oh, these people got legitimate grievances, some general grievances. Uh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> uh, I love that. <laughs> and like, I could be this leader to, you know, create a new age for the, uh, for the people who have not benefited for the the, the man from of republic kind yada yada and then she realized oh no these guys are just crazy these are just crazy pirates mm -hmm. and she's like oh shoot um mm -hmm. but, well, i guess i'll go back to you ash again what do you think is her um is gear star like mo what's her motivation here like it's 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 i'm i maybe i've just didn't read enough of phase one but it's kind of it's outside of just i guess power unlimited power um like it's kind of just i guess it's not odd to think of oh here's a fancy core world person trying to take advantage of legitimate grievances some general grievances yeah. of of people's i just kind of wonder like what is her mo does she want to be the the president of niles nation i guess I what, what do you think I think personally, again, we could draw a line between the Nihil and the Separatists. Of course, the Separatists are better organized because they, from the very beginning, were more of a government, right? Because they had like the Separatist lead, like they had like le leadership and they had like a council and everything. And they were led by some, but they were actually led by very politically minded people like Dooku and Palpatine. Um, and I think that. I'm gonna, oh, wait, that's a, that's a whole different thing for me to monetary. Whereas the Nihil are very much like, mm -hmm. you know, they're Nihil, right? Which yeah. <laughs> is just nihilism, right? Nothing, you you yeah. cut, you cut Nihil, you take the ism off of nihilism and, you know, yeah, it's, because it's I don't think that they really care mm -hmm. because the way that, like, even if you look at like Nihil celebrations, they're just honestly like so drugged up. They just, they <laughs> just want to party. Like, that's all mm -hmm. that they care about. Like, Perrin, I think, would fit into the Nihil. 
But at the same time, you get into the party aspect, but not the killing. Probably, I think chicken out. (laughs) You get you get the whole thing where like a lot of the separatist worlds are alien worlds, (laughs) right? A lot of separatist leadership is um, also very corporate minded as well. The banking clan, the tech, uh, the tech union, the trade federation, like organizations like that, which are also all like aliens. Whereas the leaders of the republic that we see most often are human, which Mm -hmm. lends into the us versus them, which is also very prevalent in the Nihil. They're being led by Markion Rowe, who's Everenny, right? Lorna D, a Twi'lek. And so, you know, you have the the them, which is the aliens in the Nihil, versus Mm -hmm. us, which is the human-led Republic. Because even most, a lot of the most prominent Jedi are human. You look at Elzar, Avar, Stellan, yeah. human, you know. Sure, you've got, like, very prominent alien Jedi as well, like Vernestra, Orla, characters like Porter Angle. But it's still very much, like, the characters yeah. that we're focusing on tend to be human. Bell, and so I think that it's very much an us versus them situation that, Also, as humans, because we are more likely to see ourselves in human characters, we are more likely to be like, oh, yeah, these are the good guys. And I think that that's, you know, probably not a good thing for when we start exploring space. If we go out there and we automatically assume (laughs) that anybody who doesn't, who isn't bipedal, normal skin color, like, you know, (laughs) from like, like black, white, you know, brown, whatever anything that doesn't look like that the second we meet somebody with blue skin it's over for us we're gonna oh, get yeah. bl- <laughs> we're gonna be like eating space rocks because they're gonna throw us out of our own ships and our faces are gonna knock off the space rocks like so, so true. <laughs> you know it's it's one of those things that i've kind of thought a bit about this where you know it's 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 basically every war ever us versus them how do you other the mm-hmm. enemy and in this case in these cases the enemy doesn't necessarily need to be othered until you throw in someone that is technically part of the us group like Mina Bonteri or mm-hmm. Gira Staros right we'll get back to that because I got I got some stuff to mention without maybe what we want to get them on Mosma mm-hmm. but I uh if we're all good with gear Staros, I'd like to transition now to meet of Terry we got mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we kind of already have so okay <laughs> so you know you're right you know this is sort of you know you're right the separatists are hey they're an actual political movement like there is an ideology that Dooku mm-hmm. has fermented in these planets mm-hmm. um and that Mina Terry is like genuinely a believer in um Mm-hmm. ultimately but all you know there are general grievances to the separatist worlds keep making that joke joe keep making I know, it. it's, it's so good. <laughs> but ultimately i'll crack the, up the big, every time <laughs> but the big issue with the separatists at the end of the day is their rebellion doomed to fail they are an artificial rebellion part of the, this grand plan there's a reason why their army is a droid army because then you can just turn it off when like okay we're done um mm-hmm. click um and even within the separatists themselves, you know, yeah, you got the idealists and the people in the separatist parliament who seem like, who, you know, are, are you know, pretty, pretty, pretty idealistic about what Dooku's doing, you know, Count Dooku's a visionary. But I, I kind of wonder, again, um, 
what do people like need do? Are they just are how how fooled does Dooku have some of these people, right? Mm. Like, what does Nita Von Terry think of General Grievous? You know, like, does Grievous report to you know separatist parliament, senate bill just to like report? And he's like, I now must get back to my ship, the Malevolence, and try <laughs> out this new weapon to help us win the war called the Jedi Killer Machine of Doom. <laughs> I just maniacally cackles as he leaves. Um, and then, you know, I've always made the joke. It's like, yes, we're going to have the Separatists. We're going to be free. And here's my cabinet of Jeff Bezos, uh, Elon Musk, uh, and uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch. You know, and our policy is... Um, you know, no taxation at all. If corporations will be free from that, no good regulation, libertarian mm. paradise. <laughs> um, yes. so you know, I free trade for all, except as long as it's the Trade Federation. Um, yeah. so you know, she joined a group that had like you know actual issues and dealt with, but like group that was built to be just pawns of the the Palpatine and the Sith and mm -hmm. the corporations that spawned it. Yeah, but I mean, Palpatine, yeah. he, he's like we've mentioned, he, he's picking up on mm -hmm. genuine grievances, genuine sense that you know the, the Outer Rim, this periphery has not been treated well by the Republic. This Coruscant government has ignored these folks. And here's someone like Mina Monteri saying, let's actually take care of them. Let's actually get organized. Mm -hmm. It's why Padme can go to her and say, okay, can we actually come to an agreement? We are on the same page in terms of that, at least. Uh, and so, you know, she goes Til and Dooku maybe... kills her. Dooku. Well, sure, yeah, exactly. And, and, I mean, that's the thing, is is there's this weird division that we're getting at here between the Separatists that Minamateri represents and that she complicates this whole idea that you know i mean this very literally cartoon idea that oh, the separatists are these mustache literally mustache turning spider villain you know the yeah. uh the general i forget his name general um, grievance Green no, oh no yeah. no trench <laughs> yeah general general, trench trench general trench yeah um but you know and you know the <laughs> this what we call the malevolence malevolence but you have someone mina she's in this legislative body uh dooku has done enough to say we're gonna actually take care of these plants unlike the nile that's the interesting thing i think gira mm -hmm. at her best and the, the best aspect of her it's this interesting comparison contrast i mean i think she wants to like we should she well she does say she wants to set up these systems of supply for these planets that are being leveled these taxes, these tithes by the Nile, Mina, yeah, she wants, you know, this Commonwealth of Independent Systems to actually, yeah, Confederacy, sorry, Commonwealth. I don't know why I, I, don't know why I said Commonwealth. That's all. You're Canadian. Um, yeah, that's right. The, uh, this Confederacy, Confederacy like of the Independent Systems, but to have actually, you know, some sort of not just, I mean, that's the thing about libertarianism, right? There's there's a there's a very neoliberal libertarianism that is what you're saying, make tax havens and have a cabinet with Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk in it. Mm -hmm. There's also the not quite libertarianism, but a a a, a grassroots communitarianism 
of mm -hmm. what do people, the local people actually need? Oh, they should be the ones to make the decisions. Okay. So, uh, so, you know, I'm the Senator from the parliamentarian from this planet. I need to have a voice to say, okay, this is what these people need. I wonder, I frankly wonder if in the, the early going, you know, we see in, in tales of the Jedi, for example, how much Dooku has this righteous fervor about, how local senators and local authorities had corrupted, bought in because the Republic enabled mm -hmm. them to exploit mm -hmm. their own people. I wonder if there was this sort of uh, whitewashing, white knighting coming, uh, you know, effort coming in. They did give a lot of services and a lot of support to these planets to rally them to their cause. You know, there is a reason why one of my favorite lines in the Mandalorian, Count Dooku was a visionary. What was his vision? Maybe some people did actually genuinely believe and had things they could point to. Mira Monteri, I don't think she's a dummy. I think she's very smart. I think she knows, yeah, that there's the less savory aspect of it. Maybe, maybe, Ash, thinking what you were saying about rebels before, about how, yeah, some rebels have to have a past. And there's, you know, Cassian Andor has a dirtier part of his job, you know, a necessary evil for for cassian and necessary evil maybe for mina to say uh okay what is gonna best support you know my own planet um i'm blanking on what that planet is but uh, yeah it, uh, it's, it's um yeah it's Andron, Andron? Andron? yeah yeah it's... what are you best gonna support the people of Andron who may mm -hmm. be suffering because of the republic's neglect mm -hmm. and so I, yeah I, I, guess... I think there's something a lot more interesting and a lot more actually benevolent about what mm -hmm. she's up to again the reason why padme can then go and say um yeah like, like well first of all the reason why padme can go and say okay we're on the same page how can we actually go back harken back to you know so's type of let's actually come together in a way that supports each other mm -hmm. because a yeah. larger scale economy larger scale in society can actually be more diversified and be healthier in terms of mm -hmm. supporting each other as, oh. if it's if it's organized that way if it's yeah. oriented that way and then of course you know i mean that's also why duke ends up mm -hmm. stabbing her in the back because she's actually going to see oh wait a minute maybe maybe there are folks in the in the republic senate who can actually help us out also to say well i mean for duku it's also yeah i mean he he's palpatine's pawn as well and so that's part part of it but also pu the public kind of face of is me Monteria traitor to the separatist cause then he can play it that way yeah it's it's a tragedy and then it's one of the tragedies me and is one of the tragedies of i mean heroes on both sides is, is the name of the arc right the name of the episode yeah. and how heroes on both sides in these in these dark times heroes on both sides uh, are taken over and crushed by those who wish to divide. I, I like to want to just yeah. respond to that just for a second, and then I'll, I'll give it to you, Ash. I actually mm -hmm. was watching the 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 not the Mortis arc, uh, the Clovis arc, uh, yeah. uh, from season five. There's actually a scene where there's a, like a separatist parliament dude, um, and Dooku invades Scipio, the, the banking world, and mm -hmm. that parliament dude's like, Dooku, you can't do this. And then Dooku just uses the force and kills him. So, um, yeah. 
I also thought, but I do wonder, like, how much does Nina Von Terry know? Like, would she stand mm-hmm. if, you know, she found out General Grievous was like, General Grievous decided to genocide a planet because he's General Grievous and he likes doing that sometimes because he likes to be a psycho. Um, if she knew Dooku was the Sith Lord. Yeah. Or, you know, or that Grievous, Dooku, all the Separatist Council members were all part of the Sith conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Ash, I'll, I'll give it to you. What are your thoughts on just Nina Von Terry and. How much do you think she knew, or what she thought of General Grievance, Grievous? Um. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to be honest, the first time that I watched the Heroes on Both Sides arc, mm-hmm. I I did not really like her. Interesting. Right? Mm-hmm. But since then, I, I've really come to, like, I thought a lot about her character, and I, I'd like to honestly thank my partner for that because I was like I don't like these specific things about her and he's like but you like them in other political figures you like like how would you feel like if Mon Mothma did this very specific thing that you're accusing me of Ontario of never uh, even though she never actually did it how would you feel if Mon did this and you know so I started thinking a lot about my own personal political biases within Star Wars Oh, mm-hmm. thank you, Mina Bonteri, for kind of making me question my Star Wars politics. Um, and I think that with Padme going to Mina, it's very much, it's giving to me the meadow scene in Attack of the Clones when Anakin's like, I don't understand why the politicians don't just sit down, discuss the issue, figure out how to solve it, and then do that. And Padme is explaining to him, like, you know, political process and how it works. And she's, like, essentially telling him, we're constrained by all of these rules. And he's like, well, I don't really understand why you have to let these things completely govern you. And I think that she took that. And that's what she's doing here. Because she's like, wait a minute, this is the right thing to do. We, we, we don't need to be fighting a war over this. We can just sit down and discuss this because we are adults and we are supposed to be the leaders of the galaxy. Like, let's handle this in a way that is actually productive rather than destructive. And so, you know, I think that Padme's relationship with Mina Bonterio is really important in that regard because she gets to put all of the awesome political power and knowledge that she has to work. And Mina also gets to try and do that. Mm-hmm. And even though it doesn't work out for her, it, I think in universe, like it would made people begin to question like, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. If both sides want peace and one side is slaughtering the people that are calling for peace. What's going on here? Are we fighting a war for war's sake? Or Mm -hmm. are we fighting a war to actually, you know, have a revolution, have a real functioning rebellion? You know? And again, that would probably later come up as well because it's like oh well the empire is giving us peace why can't you just accept it it's like is this really (laughs) peace though because i do think that the separatists and the republic if they weren't being essentially both ruled by the exact same psychomaniac of palpatine maybe they could have come to an actual like peace accord Mm -hmm. and been like okay we can maybe we won't be like one big republic anymore but 
we can still coexist in this galaxy because there's enough room for both of us. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, there's enough room for the crime syndicate, the hot cartels to <laughs> run at, like run their section of space and the Republic. Right. Mm -hmm. So why can't it work for two different like actual governments? You that, know what I that's mean? In yeah, and mm -hmm. that's interesting because there's this sort of this weird thing, which is it's kind of true and not true from certain it's from a certain point of view. Of in some ways, the Empire is almost a third faction. It's not mm -hmm. it's a little more complicated because then there's also, you know, the whole the Republic is the twisted version of the Empire. And then, you know, but if you kind of like, and this is where I feel like sometimes the bet might, the ideal version of the Rebellion comes from, although maybe Andor will kind of go deeper into what factions actually control the Alliance to restore the Republic of the Rebellion being. The, the 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 best people of the republic you know the mon mothmas mm -hmm. the princess leia's the bail organas uh you know the padmes before she died and then the separatists who aren't you know you know the Minavantaries, the luxes the, the better the more you know the separatists who aren't general grievous then yeah they come together they take down the third the the, the true enemy the empire the sith yeah. palpatine um which, if you don't mind, I guess we can transition to my moth. Well, I just wanted oh, to make okay, one okay. point about about that, I, and th this is also the transition too, in part. Um, okay. Ash, when, when you were talking about the effect of Mina Ontario on Padme, I had a light bulb moment because, of course, there's. I mean, this is you know, Clone Wars is made after Revenge of the Sith, but and therefore, what this is building to is that moment uh, on the on the the balcony there, Padme and Anakin. What if I'm? What if we're being backing the wrong side? What if this, mm -hmm. like Joel, you're saying, with this, this war that we've been fighting, what, what if it was all just a farce? And she's starting to clue in that there are heroes on both sides. That there are that there, you know, there is uh, the 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 rules, the 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 thing that I've been told that mm -hmm. the you know, the Republic is the the bastion of peace, and anyone who opposes the Republic is inherently uh, against peace and against good order, um, you know, she always was open to, again, we, we see in the heroes of both sides are, she's open to seeing otherwise you know, her longtime friendship with Mina. At this point, she's saying, oh, wait a minute, what if the rebellion or the, or the Republic is no longer a democratic Republic at all? Mm -hmm. And questioning that entirely to the point where she forms the coalition mm -hmm. of the thousand. She sits down in that deleted scene that's got to be canon uh, with Mon Mothman and with Bale and, and says, okay, yes. let's actually uh, start to organize here. Of course, we know where that goes, right? So start to organize, start to, you know, Mon Mothman and Bale say, okay, Alderaan's resources, I'm going to give that, Chandrila's resources, going to go to that. Mon and Bale still try and do their thing in the Senate, uh, but in the end of the day, we know what Mon Mon Mothma ultimately decides. So, yeah, I mean, I'm on Terry to Mon Mothma. I just just buy <laughs> yeah. a Padme. There we go. So, Joel yeah. Goes. So, uh, this is where I think this is where I kind of wish Cassian was still a separatist in his backstory. I mean, I love Andor and I love the backstory yeah. that gets, but yeah. that would have been one of the things where, um, I do care. I am kind of curious where that's going to go because Tony Gilroy talked about how season two is all about like 
this is when the the rebellion, you know, becomes goes from being, you know, the ragtag crazy people to like, okay, now we gotta go official. We gotta go officially corporate. You know, we gotta get our suits and ties ready. Uh, we gotta be, you know, like not just a like you know, the rebellion is a ragtag, but they're actually pretty organized. You look at Rogue mm-hmm. One, like they got like a whole system set up, um, to be a, a functioning galactic insurgency. Um, they have a whole cabinet as well, which is yeah, amazing. <laughs> but, but, you know, in terms of that cabinet, you know, um, it's interesting because, again, the alliance is called the Alliance to Restore the Republic. Um, there are, you know, and we learned in Andor, there are rebels who don't or aren't that interested in restoring the Republic. There are neo-separatists, human cultists, the Gorman Front, the Partisan Alliance, the and, whatever, and Saw's partisans as well who just want to take the down only the one with clarity of purpose <laughs> exactly um and then you know but uh but you know losing like we all need to come together saw but i do wonder when they all come together it's like who are the majority share factions in the alliance you know it does seem like it's still very much made up of former senators and a few ex-imperials like dodonna ex-imperial Draven, he was an ex-imperial officer who mm-hmm. like eh, this, this empire seems getting sus i'm out of here um mm-hmm. you know it's not like I would have loved it if, like, Mon Mothman had, like, a general or advisor who was, like, Count Dooku's personal attache during this Clone Wars. Like, they were on opposite sides, and now they're together fighting mm-hmm. the Empire, and yeah. he's Mon Mothma's personal attache. Um, because, um, anyway, you know, and to get into Mon Mothma herself, she has always been, you know, kind of the the the, the figurehead for which these various rebel cells can all gather around and kind of have some sort of unifying person in their political coalition. And then the ideology kind of comes later. Like, the Rebel Alliance is a rebel alliance, like, inherently, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's an alliance of various rebels to form a political mm-hmm. coalition to take down the Empire through violent means, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and you got the more radical side, you know, like you saw, and I guess Mon Moth was kind of in the center. And then you got, I got some more conservative people, maybe. I don't know what that means. Um, you know, but, you know, it, it is kind of that, you know, that spectrum, the left-right spectrum, in, yeah. in a yeah. sense. Um, Edmond's always kind of been kind of the one to represent both a mix of caution and, but also kind of, in some ways, herself always kind of eventually gets pushed to or eventually kind of has to come to, like, yeah, we do got to kind of take action. Like, um... I think of rebels. You 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 bring up the reforming government layer. I think of rebels first. Mm-hmm. We're like, yeah, and it's like we gotta leave right Lothal. Lothal's in trouble. And like my mom is like, yeah, I want to help Lothal, but my world's in trouble too. And what about those worlds? And these worlds? And that world? Um, and then Saul's kind of the opposite. We're like, you know, they just start blowing it up. Um, I think Edward kind of finds a good balance because eventually he kind of does break from the alliance proper, and you know goes. Yeah, free Lothal with and Thrawn. Yes, yeah, and get sent to Peridia, <laughs> well, too. Yeah. and get sent to Peridia together. They get space whaled. Um, <laughs> space whaled. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and now we kind of see in the Mandovers. You know, Mon Mothma's again kind of in the center. She is. She is kind of the epitome of the center in a lot of ways, right? Because mm-hmm. you have she. She's not Senator Ziona going. Space whales, the force. It's all a bunch of hooey nonsense. And Mon Mothma probably secretly going, I've seen a lot of hooey nonsense. 
Fiona. <laughs> I've seen some stuff too. I I yeah. kind of would believe it, but she can't yeah. be just like, oh shoot, send in the military. We gotta get going. Yeah, you know. But she, you know, she's like, you know, Hera. She's like, so strong to come back, and you know, Hera's like, mm, yeah. Yeah. He, he's coming back. I read the script for the movie. I don't think that's how the force works, Joel. <laughs> um, but, um, but, but yeah, that's that, that's kind of been, mm-hmm. you know, I've always kind of viewed Mon Mothma as like the center to almost yeah. like the uber conservative Zionos of the world. And then obviously maybe someone like a bit more of a hothead. Or even like a Leia, almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'll, but you know what, Ash, I'll show it to you. I think we've been waiting all day. <laughs> Mothma talk. You've been waiting all your life. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mon okay, Mothma so essentially, on the think of, there's so much about Mon Mothma that I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, essentially, one of the things that's always fascinated me from the time that I was a child was the first time we ever see her in Return of the Jedi. She mm. just walks up. Everyone goes quiet. She delivers her little speech, calls in Akbar. Her name is never said on screen. Right. In any like Star Wars film that had like I'm not counting deleted scenes here. It's not said her full her name, Mon Mothma, is not said in Rogue One. It's not said in Return of the Jedi. It's just kind of expected that the people within these circles know who she is. She can command a room. Mm-hmm. Right, Mm -hmm. she can command respect, she can command attention, whereas it's very like she's very similar to Palpatine in that regard. Because again, he has a presence, you know, he walks into a room and people are like, Oh, Palpatine's here, right? Pay attention to him, Mm -hmm. show him respect because he has, Mm -hmm. for better or for worse, earned it as a political leader, right. You know, there have been terrible political leaders that have earned the respect of other powerful people. There have been great political leaders who have done the same, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Mon Mothma genuinely fears is being like Palpatine. And I think in order to fully understand mm-hmm. her character and the motivations that she has and the reason that she does the things that she does mm-hmm. is because of that genuine fear that she has, right? So... When people are like, why does she do the whole demilitarization thing? Why doesn't she just take action? Why does she go through all of these other channels? Because she fears becoming like him. Right? And if she has if she has a big red button that she doesn't need anyone's permission to press, and she's mm-hmm. got a massive freaking army and like all of this military force behind her, and she has all of these other things that will help her solve all of the problems in the galaxy that she wants to solve. If she can press a button and do that, mm-hmm. she she would want to do that because she is at her core a mm-hmm. good person who mm-hmm. wants to do good things for the people of the galaxy because, you know, again, the antithesis of Palpatine. And so, you know, But she also, I think, realizes that if she gets a taste of that power, it will corrupt her. Because then she she will get to the point where she's she'll be like, I have to be able to fix everything. And if I can't fix it, Mm -hmm. then it'll be like similar to, I think, Anakin's 
thing where he's like, I'm good at fixing things. So why can't I fix this? Mm. What, like, yeah. what is wrong? I need to be able to fix this. And she would end up lashing out and it would be very much more Palpatine than her. And, you know, when we take into account her role in the delegation of 2000, um, her bail and Padme did a lot of work for it. And I think in the deleted scenes, when Padme is asking the questions, that's like, she's trying to provide the balance because at that point, Mon was incredibly radical. Mm. Um, and even in the Padme books, she's written as a very radical character who finds balance in her relationship with Padme. And the first time I read that, I was just like, okay, that feels a little bit weird. But then I thought about it in relationship to that particular deleted scene in Revenge of the Sith, where it's just like, oh, Padme's asking these questions and making sure Mon has answers. She's again providing the balance that Mon needs. So Mon was very much like a you know, a, let's dive in, let's do this, like, when she was a younger political figure. Mm -hmm. But then as she grew, it became more of a, we have, we, we have to take action, but we need to think about it so that the action that we take is actually helpful. And it doesn't end up hurting more people. And I think that in Leia Princess of Alderaan, that's one of the things that she tries to teach Leia as well, alongside Bail and Brea. Because, you know, there's Leia going off to Wobani because she's like, there is stuff, there is bad stuff going on. I'm going to try and help. And it's just, she comes back and she has all of these refugees and Brea has to sit her down and be like, your father and Mon have been trying to fix this. And you may have just undone all of their work. You may have done more damage in the absolute desire to do mm -hmm. good. Yeah. And that ultimately ends up tempering Leia who then starts to think, okay, I can do these good things, but I also need to think about how, like, what are other people doing about this already? And am I helping them or hindering them? And so, you know, later on, as she becomes like the leader of the entire like free galaxy, Mon is once again, put into that position where she has to be that tempered, woman that Padme helped her to become because she can't just she can't turn around and be like well no it's absolutely fine that Hera took this military action without permission from her, essentially her bosses it's absolutely fine that she took this initiative because she was doing the right thing and you don't like you're like I'm not even gonna listen to you because you don't understand she can't do that because mm -hmm. she has to li essentially listen to both sides and be that sort of figure in the center, right? And later on in Bloodline, after she leaves, it's it's literally said that there's no one else that they've been able to find who has the charisma to be able to do that mm. and be able to like kind of hold the New Republic Senate together. And that's why we get the... Um, the centrists and the populists mm -hmm. and why nothing is getting done at that point in time. Anyways, that's just a quick, that's no, just no, a, it's a good, it's a good one. And, and, you know, to get back to my Mothma's temperament, you know, that is the big debate between her and saw, right? You know, saw is like, you know, like, I hope you feel good that you play by the rules because the empire is certainly not. Um, and there is a debate there, right? It's like, yeah, my Mothma wants to, you know, I think rightfully, you know, like we voice civilian casualties, you know, 
get make sure the rebellion has good PR, you know. But at the same time, she is fighting against an empire who, you know, it's like one little guy is protesting. Palpatine stinks. The empire can send a bunch of star destroyers and just massacre the whole planet down yeah. to until they're all dead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're building Death Stars. They're not playing by the rules. Palpatine's yeah. not going to play by the rules. He mm-hmm. plays by the, I'm going to destroy you all to heck or high mm-hmm. water. So it's kind of that balance of like caution. But also we kind of do got to fight. We have to send the fleet to yeah. Scarif. It is the right thing mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. And yeah, I always felt that is compelling as well. But Matthew, you, you... Yeah, so I mean, the, the reason I really wanted to include, I mean, she's really the basis for this whole whole episode, this whole question and, and kind of the center around it. Yes. And also, yeah. I mean, why I asked up, why I wanted you to come on. Cause you literally are the <laughs> biggest mom off my fan. I know anyone knows. Um, so yeah, it was really well put. And especially because it's funny. She's mom off is always get in a situation where she either needs the button, but doesn't quite have it because She's in a democratic system, so you know uh, to send the fleet to Jakku. What a what an effort! What a what a what a three rounds of voting um, in this really early early nascent New Republic Senate. Three rounds of two or three rounds of voting, and, and until you know Villachev has to come back and say you didn't get the votes, you didn't get the votes. Oh, okay. Finally, she gets the votes mm-hmm. to actually go and take care of this imperial remnant on Jakku, not the Empire proper. But just the stump. It's a large remnant. It's a large remnant. Anyway, yeah. so she <laughs> needs the button but doesn't necessarily have it. She's tempered externally. She, or she has the button. This is Ash, this is a really great point that you're making here. When she has the button, yeah, she has to be the one uh, in the middle saying, No, hold on. Uh what I again the reason why she's the the, the impetus for this episode is you know, Mina. You know, Gira and Mina, in different ways, they look outside the Republic um, in their context, right? In the, where the, the High Republic and the Late Republic, they look outside of it. Um, Mon Mothma looks ahead to a new Republic. That's the title. We're forming a government now, right? Like you're saying, you know, with, with Ezra, you know, how do we choose which targets to pick? We have to be organized. We have to be smart. We have to be aware what is the most good and yeah we we have to have these rules around when we use the button and how we use the button and why we're using the button and i mean at its best uh you know legislative oversight and that's this this complication with ziona right this legislative oversight civilian oversight over a military force is essential to a well-running democracy i have to be free to say I don't like it that the Canadian, Canadian army is going into wherever. And, and I can say that because, you know, that I can say, okay, the Canadian government don't like you, what you're doing now. Can't, we haven't invaded much, but, you know, or you can say, I don't like it that Trudeau is kind of balking on, on certain issues in the world. I wish he'd, or I gotta be free. To, I'm, I'm free to say that. That's a good thing. Um, you know, uh, why not? Interestingly, you know, we talk about demilitarization and and Ziono. Um, you know, Ash, I wonder I remember you know when those episodes come up and the everyone on the, the discourse, and I'm sorry to bring up the discourse about bring up the discourse. is is Mon Mothma responsible for the rise of the first order? 
and I'm hearing what you're saying. It's you know, and, and the thing I think Claudia Gray is laying out is her absence is responsible in part for the rise of the first order. Mm -hmm. Her absence is why there wasn't someone who couldn't understand that. Okay, we have this bit of this fleet. Um, we have the Republic institutions that can govern use of it, but you know, institutions are only as good as the people who are in them. And they're, of course, as evil as the people who are in them or as as uh, in, incapable as the people who are in them. You know, Ziono represents someone who we, we don't, we're not quite sure what his motivations are. Yahara has her take. Um, and he's there. He represents, yeah, maybe the fear of being of a new Palpatine. And I think Mon Moth definitely shares that. Uh, yeah, I, by the time of the rise of the First Order, there's no one in the Republic who's going to authorize Leia to to go and uh, take care of this. So she has to be the one with the button. Now. Mm -hmm. And again, well, thankfully, she's the one she's able to use it, but it's not a Republic thing. It's it's this ragtag, again, another ragtag group that, and we'll get to get to that third example with, uh, with Emil and Holdo later. It's this other ragtag group that isn't isn't regulated by the Republic. It doesn't have the resources of the Republic, and therefore the First Order is able to control all the major star systems. So, yeah, yeah. Well, a, I'll say this: Mon Mothma's demilitarization effort at the end of the day saved the galaxy. I don't think a lot of people quite understand the demilitarization. Uh, did you ever watch that video I sent you, Matthew? No, but okay. I think I know where you're going with it. Um, where, yeah, she demilitarized. And my guess is they're kind of reckoning it to after the Battle of Jakku, which makes way more sense to me. Uh huh, because the war's over. But mm -hmm. my mom was smart in that, yeah, I'm going to demilitarize the Central Fleet. Although it didn't seem like they just demilitarized that much. They still have a pretty strong Central Fleet. Yeah. But I'm going to give all the sectors their own fleets, their own defense forces. Mm -hmm. Corellia, you get your defense force, because we know Corellia loved that defense force of theirs, at least Legends. No, so. Naboo, yeah. you're going to get your defense forces. Changilla gets defense forces. Everyone gets defense forces. And at the end of the day, it's those defense forces, along with just people who have starships running about, mm -hmm. they all get together, because, like, I'm tired of these bleeping, bleeping Sith Lords in this bleeping, bleeping galaxy. <laughs> They start. They all gather with Lando because Lando's awesome and he's cool. Because yeah. I like this Lando guy, and we're gonna kick Palpatine's butt on Exegol. Well, we're just gonna go for it, and they win. Yeah. Um, so you know, Mon Mothma might decentralize the Republic military, but it, that kind of saved the day because that means the First Order, you know, was quickly routed again after, <laughs> and they only yeah. ruled for like one year. And, you know, yeah. the resistance is kind of just the private military organization that yeah. kind of is legal because, you know, the yeah. Republic allows for sector defense fleets. So at the yeah. end of the day, Mon Mothma saved the galaxy. You're welcome. I mean, one yeah. last thing there is to say, it's interesting. One of the things we, we now know in the real world, you know, one of the big uproars now is who is funding you. Know, I, I'm not going to name names here, but, you know, a certain conflict happening in a certain place that's having, been having conflicts for the last 70, 80 years. We talk about who's funding the weapons, who's arming those weapons. You know, even if it is a, a, a UN recognized institutional state, um, the fact that they they have arms, you know, I mean, even if it's wherever the U.S. Army goes, the fact that that is so big is an invitation 
for other forces, other other political entities to militarize themselves. I mean, that's kind of DJ's point a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know that there are there's this arms race. You have the more guns you have, the more guns you're going to have, right? Uh, more more guns you have pointing at you, the more guns you're going to want to point at, point back, and so. You know, one of the things I think Mal Mothma is hoping for that she does successfully do. It, there is relative peace for a number of decades mm-hmm. because yeah. she demilitarizes. And that's something we don't talk about much. Again, demilitarizes and decentralizes. And decentralizes. And again, you know, there is the story we have. There is the threat that Thrawn represents. There is the threat that mm-hmm. the First Order represents that the Republic doesn't. Well, we'll see how well the Republic confronts Thrawn. It might be through yeah. that decentralization. It might be some other way. It might be Hera having a proto-resistance. That's also the Mandalorian possible. Mandalorian sectoral defense fleet. Maybe. Yeah. But, um, but, um, but yeah, it's, look- it's a it's an interesting point that, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what she's getting at. So, I mean, this whole thing of, you know, uh, Mon Mothma responsible for the First Order. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's no, nonsensical. Not, <laughs> you ask, uh, Ash, um, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on like the take on you know the decentralization of the military? Kind of inadvertently, kind of is what saves the galaxy and creates the people's fleet in episode yeah. nine and kicks top yeah. of the butt. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, I do, I do love that scene for like every angle possible. Mm-hmm. Just mm, the way that all the people show up and like everybody, I cry. At that, and then also just Enric Pride is there, and so the, the only thing that I didn't people. like at the Exegol thing was when Pride um, died. <laughs> but so I'm like, I understand why it had to happen. I just he's my mm-hmm. toxic, he's my toxic boy, and <laughs> um, but I do think that yeah, like it does make sense, and that her demilitarization and decentralization definitely leads to that because you know, those people had to come from somewhere and, you know, Mm -hmm. they had to want to fight to have their galaxy back. They had to be willing to fight. And the fact that, like Pride said, they have no, like the the galaxy does not have a Navy. And it's just like, yeah, but these are just people. And he's like, well, poop, right? Right. But I was like, honestly, thinking that is just going to, help when I'm like I can't sleep at night and I'm laying there thinking Mon did everything she could so that the galaxy could be at peace after mm-hmm. over like about 30 years of war where children were born and died not knowing what peace really was and you know just laying there and I'll just be like hey because she doesn't have a canonical death date do we think that she lived to see the rise of the first order and I'm like okay well I'm definitely not sleeping now I'm just gonna go <laughs> no, no. I'll I'll and... give you another one somewhere in one of those people's fleets an elderly woman just sits there in a command chair with a cane it's mom old mom lady mom Mothma. she go. got out of her bed one more time just to kick Palpatine's butt this is like, I'm, I'm still breathing, you old sister lord. You're She'd a... be so good at that. She'd be so good. But then I also think about all the people that she lost during the Resistance era as well, and I'm just sadness. I mean, you know, yeah. I She'd think be like he... in her eighties, <laughs> still freaking, still freaking like uh, someone's got to fix this galaxy, and I guess it's got to be me again. Uh, I mean, it. you know, to all fairness of the New Republic. 
it didn't fall from within. It fell from without. It got attacked. Yeah. It, it's, it's the equivalent of the capital exploding. And then all the yeah. provinces or states got to figure out what to do. And then the bad guys take over the important states that matter. Um, yeah. <laughs> or the prime provinces that matter. Or they so blow them up. Yeah. So like it's like. Chandrilla was on the list for the second Death Star, and I still think about that every single day. But you know, it's like you know, <laughs> the new Republic Cup because the certain you know the Central Fleet got destroyed, but the regional fleets just kind of went back to defend their home plants until someone mm-hmm. could you know unite them. Um, and which, unless Matthew, you have anything more to say, we can transition. Just to say again, with kind of the the communitarian form of sort of decentralization, if you will. Um, that they're also free to go, free to go and take action and fight. Um, that is something interesting. Mon Mothra creating, you know, that, that I mean, the, the, the populist centrist divide, the, the populists, the, this populist thing is able to come and come to the center and come mm-hmm. together and populist in a good way coming together for the common good. Um, in that, this case, it is, it is a violent routing out battle, but. You know, we can take that as a, a metaphor if we want for, you know, combating poverty, combating all yeah. these, you know, I don't know, you know, whatever, whatever the Sith, the Empire represents, the, the Sith Eternal represent. Yeah, we Fascism. can. Fascism? Yeah, that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, the final character on the list, uh, Holdo. Now, hey. Holdo is an interesting one because she is very much of the epitome of this character is here to serve a moral narrative. And with mm-hmm. Last Jedi being very much a deconstruction of Star mm-hmm. Wars, go watch our meta narrative of the sequel trilogy episode um, for more on that per se. But you know, she is kind of the important. She is the deconstruction character narrative of deconstructing the classic Star Wars trope of the hothead rebels do their thing and they win. And in Last Jedi, Poe does the hothead rebel thing and he screws everything up. He really beat. He really kind of screws up, uh, big time. Um, I honestly don't know what to make of the burn the first order down line per se. I do wonder if we're just reading too much into that. Especially because by the time you get to Rise of Skywalker, um, Poe becomes general. Leia's like, "Yeah, you're in charge now, Poe. You you you've earned it." Um, now, obviously, I don't, you know, obviously, Rise of Skywalker, you know, for a lot of narrative reasons, I don't think I ever would necessarily go into, like, Poe's like, all right, first order of business, we got to reintroduce, reintroduce Senate, uh, I'll be interim chancellor, Poe, uh, uh, Fan, you'll be my co-chancellor, Rose, you'll be my co-chancellor, <laughs> um, Ray, you'll be, uh, minister for, for scraps, because you're, you're going to get that, you know that, <laughs> that economy, um, yeah. Although that is something kind of lacking in this again, the typical critique lacking the sequel trilogy, these kind of political mm-hmm. questions. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, good guys in charge now, yeah. and you know whether or not they'll go deeper than the Ray film, who knows? Po- mm-hmm. Chancellor Poe Dammer, maybe, I, or hey, <laughs> I, I, I could see it. Yeah, what else? You could yeah. see it. Defense Minister Rose Tico. Um, <gasps> she would slay so hard. She would. So she would. But. You know that is that is Holdo's Holdo's thing of like you know there is a you know a Holdo's a good person and also you know there is a reason why we have certain command structures and this is why mm-hmm. Poe screws up because Leia's mm-hmm. like you know we don't need hotheads we need leaders because eventually someone's gonna have to take over once we're all you know can't just be me 
Um, Last Jedi novelization really goes into a good thing about like how the biggest critique of the resistance that Leia herself hates is that she's kind of the only person that's kind of a leadership, and without her, the whole thing is just gonna kind of collapse. And Leia knows that and kind of scares her. Like, oh yeah. shoot, yeah, it's just me. Which is why you know she starts thinking about like, holy, sh uh, who's gonna lead? Yeah, if I'm getting old. Me. And then of course something happens to Leia. Yeah. Oh, and shoot. they're not calling like 80 plus year old Mon Mothma out of her bed to freaking run another government. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's like, no, right. stop. Right. So <laughs> I'm saying one last time about three or four <laughs> times now. I'm leaving. <laughs> She's retired. She's retired. Um, she got out of retirement to kick Palpatine's butt one more time. Like, she'll do that. Head can. Uh, Let's head can. Anyway. But anyway, um, but yeah, that is that is sort of Holdo's yeah. thing. But um, Ash, again, let's throw it to you, Holdo. Yeah. Um. So as a as a longtime Emmalin Holdo stand, like from the first time I saw the Last Jedi, and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> she was the catalyst for me leaving the Star Wars fandom for the first time. Um, because mm -hmm. I'm sure, as you can imagine, it was a lovely time being an Emmalin Holdo well, lover great. when was, the Last Jedi came out. <laughs> Um, I didn't receive any, um, unaliving threats while I was oh, on a flight gosh. to the UK. Why do you ask? Um, but I've always been deeply fascinated by her character because she's right. She is very much correct in the things that she is saying and the things that she's trying to teach. But again, Poe wasn't in a place for a very long time where he could think about that clearly <laughs> until you know, we get to that end part where he's like, where he realizes exactly what she's doing because he's been, he's been evacuated off of the ship. And he's, he's like, wait a minute. No, no, no. Like what's going on? And he realizes, and I think it was it conics that said she's fleeing. And he's like, no, she's, she's not fleeing. She's literally sacrificing herself. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, her relationship with Leia is really important because the first time that we meet her in the, like, timeline is in Leia, Princess of Alderaan. And yep. Haldo is amazing. She's a fashion icon. But, <laughs> you know, it's very, 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 um, like, break-centric. And that's who she is as a character, even when we meet her later on. Yeah. right um and so throughout the thing like it gets to a point where leia's just like you know why like why are you so adamant to be the opposite of the people on your planet because people on gadalanta tend to wear like just scarlet robes and it's very mm -hmm. drab and she doesn't like that so she wants to be different and leia basically teaches her that when you allow something to define you it's not just by fitting into that mold it's when you try so hard to break out of that mold mm -hmm. that you're still allowing it to define who you are so by being the complete antithesis of you know what the people of gadalenta typically are she was still allowing her planet to determine her identity and she ends up finding balance in her personal style through that and this is mm -hmm. related because you know poe wants to be a very specific kind of person right he wants he does want to be a leader right he is black leader he is a very good leader but he's also mm -hmm. very much a hothead 
And he didn't have the balance between those two things, right? So she needed to find, like, she needed to essentially impart the lesson that Leia taught to her to Poe in order for him to be like, yeah, we can take action, you know? We are resistance. We don't have a formal governing body. We can make our own rules. But I also need to be intelligent about this. I need to make sure that I'm not going to get every single person killed, except for Tally, because Tally's still alive, right? But everybody else there pretty much died, except for Tally right? <laughs> and Poe, right? So it's like, yeah, he did, he did a good thing by blowing up the Dreadnought, but... Mm -hmm. It was also very stupid because they lost their entire bombing fleet and they lost mm -hmm. a lot of really good people, heroes, but dead heroes. And those dead heroes can't continue to fight a war except for Tally because she's not dead. <laughs> and he's helping. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, so, you know, when Haldo is trying to teach him these things, he's not in a place where he can listen still because he's. He's like, okay, well, we've got to do this. We have to take this action now. I am not, I, I don't really know you. So I am not going to take what you're trying to teach me and actually like let it sink in, right? And of course mm -hmm. he had just been demoted and he tries to introduce himself with his old rank and Haldo brings up like, wait, you were, you were demoted because of what you did. So clearly the fact that you're still introducing yourself that way shows to me that you haven't seen that what you did was wrong yet. Mm -hmm. You know? Holdo and, and Leia are post space moms, basically. They they basically are. <laughs> Shara was like, Shara was just like, okay, I'm not going to live forever. I need two people to take over and make sure that Poe, you know, doesn't get himself killed in an X-Wing. And Leia and Amelin were like, what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you know throughout that the things that she ultimately does when he realizes oh she was trying to teach me something and of course it takes somebody else that he respects to be like hey this is what was she was trying to teach you for him to actually be like oh okay and he grows from that and I think that's that's something really important in resistance reborn because he hmm. does get called out by other people that they're trying to recruit to the resistance and he's like you know what i did i made those mistakes yeah and i wish basically he's he's saying like you know i i wish we still had had admiral haldo here because she was a really great leader and she taught me so much in the short time that i knew her and that ends up getting him respect from these people because they're like mm -hmm. so you you do understand like that you have faults and that you are a human being and that you can grow from these things and learn and you can also be not just this amazing hotshot pilot but also an intelligent and thoughtful leader yeah. and then yeah. we see him do those things <laughs> in the rise of skywalker when he's like okay so this is how we're going to do this. I need help. And I think that that's one of the biggest things mm -hmm. that he comes to realize as a leader. He's not expected to do it alone. He can have a circle of people that he trusts because Leia had a circle of people she trusts and Haldo was part of that. So he's like, 
I'm going to have the people that I trust right here by my side. We're going to come up with a plan so that it's not just a bunch of us flying in there and going crazy, right? Because that would not have worked. They needed to change plans when they were on Exegol, right? Because, you know, like Finn had to do that. And that took a lot of trust between Finn and Poe for Finn to be able to be like, I have this plan. We need to change this plan, right? And not have mm-hmm. to go through that whole system because they had that trust. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sorry, so. I talk about Haldo. No, that's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, I mean, we're, we're all Holdo stands here now. And ho- oh, hopefully, sure. I mean, that kind of gave me shivers to know that that happened to you. I'm sorry. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, experiences are better now. Um, Mostly recovered. Yeah. You know, so, you know, with, you know, with Holdo, it's kind of the lesson she tries to impart to Poe. It's the same thing you mentioned in, in uh, Prince of Alderaan that Mon Mothma has to teach Leia the, the rash, seemingly heroic action isn't the necessarily the wise leadership action necessarily the wise leadership action um holdo yeah so so the the way i have it you know uh mina looks beyond the republic mamafa looks ahead to a new republic holdo a little bit in a way looks back on that republic in the sense of the wisdom of mamafa's wisdom of being organized and being smart and being uh you know, being unifying, having that strong unifying presence that, you know, an institution like the Republic in the right hands could have. She looks back on it because, I mean, The Last Jedi, you know, for me, the thesis statement in The Last Jedi is this is how we win, not by killing what we hate, but by saving what we love. And there are aspects of that Republic of these, the, the idea of democracy, the idea of coming together being we are all the republic that do need to persevere and do need to endure and they can get taken out by this this narrative this story we have about a hero who goes in and takes the brash action and doesn't stop and think is that the right action and now hold on that's the, that's the wild thing you know holdo like you're saying she does end up taking this I don't want to say rash action, but incredibly, uh, literally explosive thing, explosive action, mm-hmm. um, results in in a perfect whatever ten seconds of silence. But you know, she she does do the thing that she's, you know, that that so for, uh, for example, Finn, you know, Rose prevents Finn from crashing into the the uh, the the Death Star cannon thing, but Holdo is the one who does turn the turn the radius around and shoots it into the into the the ship so you know it, it it's a matter of like i keep on bringing i bring up this word discernment and decision making and calm decision making that she does look back on this time when when mom mothma and Leia and, and they were all together and able to make these kind of leadership decisions that you know, th- that they don't have anymore because the, the there's this new generation that at some points is yeah able to stop and think but you know often that's the thing is, is we we do get taken in by these narratives and this is kind of a real world thing 
we get taken in by these narratives of what what right and wrong inherently are and, and you know yes there's the, having the moral courage and you know martin luther king day i should have mentioned that having the courage to actually stand up and and, and risk your life uh, for what's right i mean talk about it, one of the great unifier and that's the thing you know that's the thing with Bonteri in her own way, definitely Mon Mothma, definitely Holdo, definitely Leia. These great unifiers, great people who can use these women who can bring people together and be great mothers of these movements. Um, that then, you know, you have to have some sort of institutional codification. Holdo looks back on that time. And yeah, I mean, and Poe is able to take, take that legacy forward as Ashes, you've, you've, mentioned very gone into very well so um it, it's it's an interesting the the reason i picked these three and gear as this interesting kind of quasi exception but not really kind of uh foil if you will different angles looking at the galactic republic um yeah i mean I, I guess we can kind of wrap it up with the final question of is star wars though talking about institutional codification I honestly think modern Star Wars is actually more anti-institution than usual. No, I, I wouldn't say it is. I'm just saying, what about codification? What about these rules? Anyway, go ahead. I see it more as just communi community, which mm -hmm. I guess it's an institution in itself. We want to get to like technical, but um, to kind of get to the final point of like, you know, I mean that's that's to me the people's fleet. It's like you didn't need a institution to kick Palpatine's butt. True. You just need everybody to get on the same page. Um, to quote a. Uh, somebody i read on a forum um i love i love but but um but you know it, it is sort of interesting um especially with holdo it's sort of like you know i mean i guess we'll find out when the ray film hits is what is the message here um um but you know uh we talk about these characters and at the end of the day um if anyone has anything else they want to say about holdo before i move on i'm sorry i'm gonna jump in oh. too quick yeah, go for it. Okay, okay go. Yeah. Um, um, I think that one of the things that, like, is also okay. super important is before the, like, before the end of The Last Jedi, Poe was, like, very much, like, very fast and, like, loud when he was giving orders and making decisions. But mm -hmm. after, like, afterwards, he's a little bit, like, quieter and calmer. Like, I've actually thought about this. And I think mm -hmm. that, I think about when Haldo is telling Leia, like, in order for the transports to get away, someone's going to have to stay behind and pilot the crew. That is like the most calm way of telling someone, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. and I just, I, like, I'm just like, wow, to be that calm in the face of knowing, like, I'm about to sacrifice mm -hmm. myself and this is our final goodbye and we've known each other since we were 16 years old. Like, oh, I love her. Yeah. Yeah, I'll ask you this, Ash. What is your take on the line of Pope being like, you know, we're going to be the spark that burns the first door down? Like, what's your read on that line from the movie? What is your read? I think I'm also a Hunger Games fan, so it's very much like the um, fire is catching, and if we burn, you burn with us. But, like, mm -hmm. different from that in the way that it's just like, hey, you know, we, we have a power, and all it takes is a small little spark of fire to take something really, really big down. 
And we can do that. We are small, but we have more power than we realize. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's your read. That's a good one. I mean, it's an interesting. So again, the reason that line is important and interesting because it's, you know, uh, with Holdo, it's we're the spark that will restore the Republic. Yeah. It's the same spark. That's, I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, and, and I, I've made a lot of the difference and in, in seeing Poe and his points, he's all about tearing things down. Maybe not. I mean, at this, at, near the end of The Last Jedi, he's starting to come around. It's the same spark. You know, it's the same spark. You know, I mean, in, in Rebels, spark of rebellion, right? So. Yeah, I yeah. mean, in the original trilogy, we don't know what the Rebels are fighting for. They just want to just restore freedom to the galaxy and take down the Empire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know. The Alliance to Restore the Republic is an EU thing that eventually gets mentioned in Rebels. Um, well, in that, like you're saying, there's different motivations and different things that hopefully get more yeah. explored. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, speaking of exploration, you know, uh, Star Wars is inherently a pop narrative, as we know. You know, uh, and I think kind of just as we talked about these characters, I think the, the key is not... It's all about how the narrative fits the framing with the characters, right? Like, I, you know, we talk about fans are like, we want a Senate scene. You want a Senate scene. Not like a good Senate scene, too. But it's like, to me, Andor had the best Senate scenes because it's through Mon Mothma and her character arc of trying to inch out what little she can um, after from the Empire, but ultimately realizing, oh, yeah, I got to rebel. You know, maybe it's time to start going through the um, the, the outside the, the channels, outside right? chains. Yeah, outside the chains of government. Um, and you know, I think that is ultimately where Star Wars falls on the political spectrum. Is it's 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 a character driven thing. Um, sometimes for both good and for bad, you know, mm. sometimes the good, you know, I'll say what little I know of what Lucas's plans for the sequels were, where public is good because Leia's now in charge and everything will be good because Leia's awesome <laughs> and she is awesome. Leia for Chancellor 2024, everyone. Um, <laughs> hey, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I did, it is sort of always kind of been that where it's like, yeah, good guys sometimes in charge. Sometimes bad guys are in charge. And that's kind of the pop action narrative of a Star War. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. Ash, I'll let you kind of have our closing thoughts and these thoughts as well as we kind of wrap up the convo. Yeah. Kind of your big summary. I, I know we have to summarize <laughs> um, two hours and 21 in, minutes. Yeah. Um, in summary, I love the politics of Star Wars and I love women in Star Wars politics, so I think about them constantly, and maybe I read too much Star Wars and think about Mon Mothma too much, but I don't think that's possible. Not possible. So, Not possible. Uh, <laughs> but anything that I say about Mon Mothma, I do have sources for, so if anybody wants to be like, source for that, I can find it, trust me. I'm not making the Mon Mothma project for nothing. She read the her the Jedi novelization. I think that's where she's named for the first time. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. Okay. I just want to say, I mean, the thing about good guys, bad guys. I mean, at the end of the day, it isn't necessarily as sophisticated as this as we've gone into for two and a half. 
half hours, you know, it, it can be, um, you know, it, because there's so many different characters and so many different perspectives. Yeah. It gets complicated. It, it is a space fantasy at the end of the day, and it is trying to help, help younger people understand what the ideal is where, where, uh, you know, what kind of political leader we should look to and what kind of leader we should be skeptical of. And, and so, I mean, that's a better way of putting good, good guy, bad guy. Yeah. It, it presents it in that way. Yeah. Upholding mom, mom, upholding, uh, Emily and Holdo, you know, uh, you know, upholding to some extent, Mina Bonteri being skeptical of Girostaros a little bit, being very wary of someone like Palpatine. Right. Uh, and be wary of someone like Poe where, when he's at, but also there's a lot of people who are Poe who need to, who, who can, a lot of men who are like Poe who can sit down and learn and listen and, and not be so under the pressure of having to be the, the guy who makes the big call. You know, that's also a whole kind of, kind of gendered narrative that we can move past. So, um, yeah, it, the way the way it tells these stories yeah it, it's who do we trust who do we look to who can what, what kind of leaders do we become because i mean that's the thing at least in a democracy uh yeah it's more complicated than that but we do get who we vote for to some extent you know ashley you're saying at the beginning you know not all of texas is responsible for dead crews but a good chunk of ontario is responsible for doug ford let's be honest and you know, it, it, the people it, the way, just decided to not vote. Yeah, and that's the big point. Is is the thing is, you know, Star Wars is aimed at this demographic, who actually happens to be the least, the the very lowest number of voters uh, in any sort of electoral democracy. Um, you know, at least maybe North America. I don't know what Europe is like necessarily. I, should, I suspect they're still fairly low, but not as low as here. And to say. First of all, you do have a say in in who you pick. Secondly, um, you have a say in what kind of leader you can become, and to to have have these examples, have these models to look to, to say you know even as in these dark times, in these times of of difficulty, times of distrust of institutions, the institutions are there, you know. We're all complicit in complicit in them to some extent. You know, those of us who can afford an internet connection, who can, you know, live have a job. You know, what's the least bad we can make of them? What's the the best we can make of them? Uh, so the you know, deep deep lessons about being a unifier and being someone who leads with respect and trust. And and you know, even someone like Padme is able to go to Onderon to meet with Mina or go to go to. Uh, wherever the separatist senate is meet with meet with mina and say maybe there's a way forward yeah i mean i i don't want to make this too long because i can be whole long day of like does modern star wars actually believe in formal institutions or not um or whole other formal organization <laughs> formal organization I mean, we should do an episode about that that'd be great um but yeah. um uh, what were they gonna say but yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah you know ray film ha hits uh no, Chancellor Rose Tico, and she's just uh, 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 she is uh, business busting all the big corporations <laughs> with monopoly laws, anti-monopoly laws, and whatnot. 
It's gonna be great. Shutting down um, Campbell Bite. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> doing her lifetime. That's her <laughs> big legislation act, and then she does it, and it's great. Um, but yeah, um, we've been here for two hours and almost thirty minutes, but this has been great. Um, yeah. this has been great, everybody. Just talk about some great ladies in politics, Star Wars, and Staros, who's not that great, but I mean, great character. Just I yes. do like. <laughs> But uh, I didn't trust her. Uh, but um, thank you, um, Ash, for joining us. This was great. Uh, we love your mom, Mosma love here. Uh, I hope, I hope, can't wait for, for her to summon the Star Avengers in the the Filoni film. Real. That'd be something. Real. Colin, she, she she comes in. She 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 saved the day, Nick Fury style, with the helicarrier. <laughs> uh, it's just her on home one, like mom, Mothma, and the other guy. X Force there too, because why not? Of course. And, and, and Carson have up our And nine nubs. Yeah. Carson, nine nubs, they're all there. Um, it'll be there, great. Yeah. Alrighty yeah. then. I think that is a good place to wrap things up. And uh, yeah, so Ash again, thanks so much for joining yeah. us. Uh, we'll get the plugs in a second. Me. Um yeah, thank you everyone in, in the comments watching, sticking it out two and a half hours, um, checking us out, checking us out. Later, uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Let us know what you thought of our conversation. Uh, are there any character figures we missed that are interesting? Those who, you know, in maybe in a rebellion or in a movement and, and moving it towards questions of being a unifier and an institutional authority, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, all the different <laughs> topics we talked about. Comment below. The comment boxes are still there in in YouTube, in Twitch, uh, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Uh, let us know. Please do give this video a, a like and a share. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Uh, now we'll get to the plugs. Ash, where can they find you all over the internet? Yes. Uh, if it's a social media that I want to found on, you can find me at yes. Bejeweled Mothma. Like the Taylor Swift song, Bejeweled. And then Mothma, like Mon Mothma. <laughs> I'm very original. Coming up with usernames is fun. Yay. on brand uh what's this what's Very the uh, this mothma project if you can you tell say share more about uh that? so the mon mothma project is me going insane and going over every uh so right now it's starting with canon and then it's going into legends and right now i'm just focused on the canon novels essentially i'm picking apart every single time mon mothma is mentioned or appears and every single word she says to do a deep 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 several um it's going to be a very, very long analysis into her character and every single thing about her. And now there's also a fashion tab where I just analyze every single thing she's ever worn. <laughs> and I go into like what it says about her as a person and like mm -hmm. her motivations and what is going on at, th at that specific time. It's a lot. Um, it's yeah. just very Mothma centric, like my entire life. If you weren't already the world's foremost expert on, on Mon Mothma, which I think you are already, uh, you will for sure be at the end of this. So I'm excited to, I'm excited to see what comes of that. Story group. I am job hunting right now. And if you need a Mothma expert. I, I can see some, I can, I'm just going to, going to speak this out in the universe. I'm going to manifest this. There are going to be authors writing about Mothma stories. you like, <laughs> Gotta to call Ash up. Gotta gotta figure out what what this, Real. this character in this Real. point in the timeline. Where is this yeah. person? What's she doing? That? What's she wearing? I can, I can see that. I'm manifesting that. All right. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Joel, where can they find you on the internet? 
You can find me at JID2021, again, JID2021 on Twitter. You can also find me at the Star Wars Underworld Discord server. Link in the description below. Come join us this Friday to watch some Young Jedi Adventures. And if we're lucky, we time this right, we can get everything ready for Season 2. So we can watch that as well in chronological order. Uh, so we're excited by that. Yay. And you can find me uh, on Instagram and threads at MNEUG1138. Uh, got a bit of Taylor, got a bit of soccer, got a bit of Star Trek. Yeah, I got some Star Wars in there, too. I got probably got some church stuff going on there, too. Uh, on Twitter at NEUG485. I'm kind of, yeah, kind of. It's something that I did post a great fried chicken and donut post on Instagram yesterday. It was really mm. great. <laughs> Check out my, my foodie stuff going on, too, as well. Um yeah, uh, and whatnot. And then, of course, at Ion Cannon Pod, E Y E O N C A N O N P O D. And, of course, uh, Tractor Beam this Wednesday, uh, talking, yeah, talking about some, at least one or if not two finale comic books coming out. Uh, both sad, but also, again, congrats, especially to Ethan Sachs for, for writing a very coherent, well, well ended story. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be great. And uh, Ash is already uh, <laughs> sad that it's Bounty Hunters is over. I can see. All Bounty right. Hunters and Afra. How could I lose both of them? You know, it's you just go sober. back and read. <laughs> just go uh, back and reread it all. Yeah. yeah. It means what you do anyway. Right. So, <laughs> there crack, we go. Crack open my Bounty Hunters volume one where Ethan Sachs wrote Stop Hitting Zuckus for me. It's <laughs> 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 my favorite part go. from Revelations. Balance, no, yeah. get a hold of yourself and stop hitting suckers. <laughs> great times, great times. Uh, yeah, so definitely uh, check that out right here on the Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel and all those socials uh, this, this Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Of course, check out the flagship uh, right here on Underworld, the Underworld, Star Wars Underworld podcast, 9 p.m. Thursday. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific, and of course, uh, check them out at the SWU next week. I believe Joel, I believe we're talking about character continuity across media. Yes, uh, continuing up that conversation. That okay, kind of things came up tonight, even about that. So, uh, going into that some more. Um, but yeah, Joel, Ash, it's been a pleasure. Till then, let's blow this thing. And head home. May the force be with you. Ride the storm for light and life. Um, yeah. Uh, Etc. All right.